Good evening, creatures of hope and despair, and welcome back to the Dub Talk Podcast. I hope you are prepared for the treat you are about to receive. Years ago, we delved into a series that was full of such wonderful hope. Hope beyond your wildest dreams. And today, my friends, we're going to delve right back into this series to see the future of this hope. Or whether it turns into wonderful, glorious despair. However, before we enter this tale of such wondrous hope, I should let you know. The Dub Talk podcast contains strong language and content that may not be suitable for younger audiences, especially with all of the despair, of course. Listener discretion is advised. Also, there is always the possibility of spoilers for any anime to occur, So be careful while listening in case there's a series you probably haven't finished yet. Especially in this case, because knowing spoilers may lead you to wonderful despair. With all of that being said, dear viewers, sit back, relax, and prepare yourself for the most wondrous, the most glorious, the most awe-inspiring tale of hope that you have ever seen. This is Danganronpa 3 Future Arc. Do you have hope for your favorite characters to survive? Do you have the Hope Mobile on standby? Do you know where your butt of hope is? Well, get ready. All questions will be answered in due time. Enjoy, my friends. Hello, one and all, and welcome to Dub Talk, the podcast where a group of hopefuls gather together and discuss their thoughts on a recent English dub announcement or review the dub of a series recently released on home video. I'm Stephanie, and I'm joined today by Megan, Zenith, and Andrew. <laughs> Jesus Christ, we've been locked underground for... God, it's April? Yep. How we have long been have we st- been down there? We've Who been stuck in people? a spiral of what despair. We lost our memories it- of the last two years, <laughs> and then we realized we had to finish oh this God. project that's been under wraps oh. for months. I know, right? You Get see, after after playing through Danganronpa and watching Danganronpa for that long, we all just realized that we needed a break. What is sunlight? <laughs> anyways, anyways, today the four of us are finally reaching the finale of our despair-inducing madness as we tackle the final anime series based on this popular video game franchise. Today we're going to be discussing and reviewing the English dub of Daigonrapa 3, the end of Hope's Peak Academy future arc. So let's explain what happened now, shall we? Our... Well, hold on, hold on. Mm-hmm. One Let second. mom speak. Before we explain what happened on our end, for those who are not familiar with this, this franchise, or particularly this arc, 
quick summary. Uh, Makoto Naegi is under suspicion of treason after shielding a remnant of despair. The Future Foundation, founded to save the world from chaos caused by ultimate despair, gathers to decide his punishment when they are captured by Monoguma, thrusted into an ultimate death game. They must find the true traitor and kill him if they hope to survive. The tale of despair in which hope kills hope begins. Basically, this arc can be seen as kind of the finale for this this Daigon Rampa, this not this universe because there is the Daigon Rampa three video game. The Makoto Naegi um, story, basically. Thank you. That's the correct phrasing for it. Um, and the future arc in particular takes place after all of the games, as well as the Despair arc, um, which we covered um, a long, a long time ago now. in a galaxy where I actually gave a fuck. Let's put it like this. That was episode 40-something. We've... The last episode that came up at the time of this recording was episode 67. And that was Shimanetta. It's been a hot minute. Mm-hmm. Is there a potential that this could be episode 69? No. I don't think so. Oh, this is probably going to be 70, because I think uh, Token Rock and a couple other things are in the way. But like, it, de it depends. It depends, because there's Token Rambu, Overlord, or recorded the other day. Berserk is actually recording tomorrow. So, it depends on which ones get done first. Anyway, to, yeah, we, um... Basically... Things happen. Our here's, here's, <laughs> let me explain this quickly. Our original plan was to do, consecutively, one after another, Danganronpa, the animation review, Danganronpa 3, Despair Arc, and Danganronpa 3, Future Arc. Basically... We got two out of three done pretty easily. Then scheduling mm -hmm. conflictions happened quite a lot throughout the entirety of trying to record future. And we were going to do first impressions, but we got close enough to a point where it's like we were wrapping up and almost all the mysteries were almost known. So we just decided, fuck it. Let's do a final review impression once it's done. It finished. And then other things happened like a lot of other shows get dubbed quite often, actually. Let's see, life, there was... Life is a thing that let's not even try to keep track. If you want to know what well, happened in between... girls smacking themselves with their ass for support, gay mm -hmm. figure skating, yep. Joshi's ruling the world multiple times, lesbian yep. dragon moms, monster yep. girls go to school, yep. uh, sword boy hell... Yep. Bald uh, punching. Bald punching. Lots of punching. Psychic boy band. Yes. And that's uh, I'm just pretty the... sure there was that one time where we all wanted to fuck our brothers. The, the, there was a hero yeah, and an academy of superheroes. That was, well, that was before we that got was lost before. in the dungeon. Let's just say, <laughs> let's not even try to recap. It's been a while, but this is something, been a hot minute. This is something I've been wanting to go back and do for a while with a clear analytical eye knowing what's going to happen what did they say and ultimately what did i feel of this series as a whole i've been i've been pushing this for a while i'm glad we're finally doing this giving this the closure that this and this saga of the danganropa franchise truly deserves Mm -hmm. So, with that note, what we're going to be doing is we're going to go through um, most of the Funimation press release that um, came up during the broadcast dub. There's going to be a few more added in uh, throughout, 
and we're also going to give our thoughts on the casting as well as a review of not only the entire Double Future arc, but kind of essentially in, in the entirety of DR3. Um, what does that mean, you ask? Well, let's find out. Without further ado, we're going to get this, fin this final... Let's get our final... Oh, wow. What did I write? Let's get let's get this finale of this three-part insanity started with the ADR directors. Okay. So, since Diagon Rampa 3 came out, since we did the spare arc, there is still no confirmation of a scriptwriter. Right off the bat. Let's be honest. Judging from some of the stuff in Despair arc, it's probably still Tatum. At least for if, Despair. I mean, if it would make sense for him to come to the future, but who the hell knows. Um, so kind of the recap here for the directors. We have the same two directors for Despair arc. Those being Christopher Bevins and Christian Lamont. Christopher Bevins, of course, he also directed Diagon of the Animation. Uh, but a few other credits for him, it would be The Heroic Legend of Arslan, Gangsta, mm -hmm. and Ping Pong the Animation. And as for Christian Lamont, really, DR3 and Tales of Zisteria the X are his only directing credits. He has a few script credits here and there. Um, he hasn't done much more directing as of late since DR3 and Tales of Zisteria. Um, so... To kind of quickly go over it, I don't know if any of our thoughts had changed since the spare arc, but how do we feel about the direction of the Dub for Future arc? Very good. Very good. There's uh, a lot of interesting performances on display. Some are more surprising than others because some got mm. to play some pretty multifaceted characters that kind of broke some archetypes you wouldn't see. And honestly, I can't say any more until we get to those characters. As for the script, mostly was fine. There's a couple of weird things here and there. There's a couple there. of isms in there. We said it was better. It's still better than Danganronpa the animation, but mm -hmm. there's some moments. Kamakura, Kamakura, Yas, Queen, and the fact that the actual <laughs> phrase... Anything that related. Hold on. Anything Junko related, though, where that's going back to despair. We're on future right now, thank you. All right, future was fine. Future... Okay, yes. Direction and script writing were very exceptional, but I can't really go into further details until we get to the characters themselves. I feel like it was a lot stronger than the original Danganronpa the animation mm -hmm. directing, but I think that's a little bit more towards what materials they're getting to compared to that. I was about to say, with DR3 in general, um, this show has a bit more freedom. They're not adapting an actual game out of this, so this show had a bit more freedom to really make a much more cohesive story, rather than, again, going back to the whole taking a 20-hour, 20 20-plus-hour 20 game and condensing it to a short series. So it has a bit more freedom, so that gives Bevins and Lamont more freedom to really give different kind, uh, different kinds yeah, of performances. They're no longer adapting a, power a murder PowerPoint. Exactly. Um, but I think you can really show, and I think it shows a little bit more in future than it even did in Despair. Yeah, because actually, even I with would say Despair, so. you still have archetypes for the characters that is going to lead into what becomes Danganronpa Two, the game. So you still have all of these characters who already have preconceived notions to them. Mm -hmm. Most of them about about who they are. It's like. If they go uh, two out of line, fans of the game are like, oh, that's no way that's 
how Pekka would act, or no way, that's not how Akane would act, or Or the one I hear the most, that's not how Chiaki Nanami would react. Yeah, like that, but again, they're different people than where they are in the game, and if you know the details of the game and stuff that goes into this anime, you can argue about that in another way, but besides the few characters that are recurring from the original Danganronpa anime, to which Mm -hmm. even those characters get more freedom because now you're doing it post-game. Where are they going from where they came from? And in that... It's essentially essentially a lot of unknown territory. So, So yeah, you get all these characters that you can write and adapt the writing for them differently because now you don't have to cater to people who are like, you know, if you don't adapt this right, we're going to put your head on a pike and de- how dare you, oop, 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 oop. Mm. I can so, agree with that. So I really appreciate that the writing and the directing was stronger on this. Are there still a couple of isms and maybe potentially weird character voice choices? Yeah, but I think out of all three of the dubs, I would say Future stands up the strongest. Mm-hmm. Huh. I kind of agree with that too a little bit, even though I do prefer prefer the second game's cast. I honestly think that the performances uh, and and script overall, um, the, the direction, everything in future is miles. It's miles above the animation, and it I think it's much better than um, even Despair because Despair. Uh, there was there were definitely a lot better things about it than an animation, but I just I always felt like there were one or two or even the three choices that I really didn't agree with, and that you know I kept hearing these voices and not liking it. But with the future arc, I started watching it, and from the very beginning, for the most part, I got behind everyone, and I think they took the the least amount of liberties with um the way they were talking and the way they were acting um just in general i found future much more believable and some of the quirks uh with some of the characters were on were basically what happened in the japanese cast so i i overall think future is a much better dub again i think it's bottom line is really because it's really future has is is the unknown territory of the trio of anime series. You're entering here. fresh ground compared exactly. to like so you're yeah. So you're not dealing with characters that were in a video game, minus the ones that come back, of course. But again, it's fresh territory, new ground, so you get the chance to really kind of develop it a bit more. And, and even then, how even then through flashbacks, because the proper way you're supposed to watch Despair in Future is you do one episode, one episode, one episode, one episode. Yeah. You kind of alternate them off. Even the stuff that's written for the future characters, when they're going back and affecting stuff in the Despair arc, yes. or having flashbacks, mm-hmm. even that stuff is considerably stronger and I think performed a lot better. Even, if, even going against cast from the game, that returned. It's not saying that the direction of the original game was bad picking these people. It's just that I think the material and the adaption for future is just stronger and it was a better show. And I think a lot of the stuff in despair, like 
The thing with despair is that a lot of it is necessary and was interesting, but after a while you could kind of see where things were going to end up, and I think it could have used less episodes, whereas Future, when you take a look at it as a whole, every bit of it is necessary, and... Future is a fucking weird, wild ride. Yes. It is one thing that keeps you guessing from start to finish, Mm-hmm. And while the despair arc novelty is still there and it's nice seeing some of this events, um, you could have told the story with half of the episodes where everything is necessary here. And honestly, I just enjoy watching these characters. It's had some very, very strong character types and it has very strong ideas, very strong concepts of who these characters are. And I think the designs of these characters are pretty much on par with Danganronpa 2. So it just, it, it, there was a lot of fun just watching this show in general and seeing where it went. Yeah, I, I would think so. Um, in terms of whether Despair could use, could tell the story in less episodes, uh, I mean, to be fair, there were maybe a couple filler pieces in like here and there sprinkled out. I think some of it, out. some of it was like. But fan- I think some of it was de- detrimental to it. So I feel like it, the, uh, I, I mean, we honestly shouldn't really be talking about the spare. We're talking about future. I think the spare, the length of it was fine. I had no issue with it. Future though, because we're talking about future. God damn it! We can't look to the past. Future. We need to look forward. So, so wait, are we? We're talking about DJ Future? No. Yes. Anyways, no. I think I can, no. I can actually explain what I feel happened with Despair Arc later on. But for now, I could say that the performances were very strong in both arcs, and that the script was pretty strong, too serviceable, too iffy. But even the worst. Here's what I think: the worst of the Danganronpa three script is still better than the worst of DR the animation. Yeah, um, I, I mean, like, there, there are that. definitely some problems that we'll, we'll talk about, and there are definitely pr- some problems um, script-wise, but, uh, I mean, Danganronpa the, the animation o- opens up with some of the worst dialogue. Uh, uh, prime real estate, that line will never not make me cringe and the fact that it opens up with it it just you know what you're in for but anyway so i think bottom line the general consensus seems like in terms of directing out of the diagon romba anime series future is probably the strongest we feel um but probably more because there's a lot more freedom with it rather than just adapting a game you have fresh new characters you get to play with and develop rather than already established characters aside from the ones that come back. So that would explain a lot. Um, do we think we're good to move on? I'll save, yes. my, de- yeah, I'll save my defense for s- Despair Arc, or at least parts of Despair Arc, later on in the show. Right. You do we're that. Because we're going to talk about Future Arc, okay? Uh, future Arc, damn it! I understand. <laughs> but, but the future my... is in the past. The pa- no, it's is not! not Shut up! In the future, next Sunday AD? You know who was in oh, the past? Oh my god. The Great... Gozu oh. and oh Thank you. Bondi. Thank you. Thank you. 
transition. So essentially everyone in this cast that we're going to be talking about today is going to be grouped the first two, as Andrew just pointed out. Um, we're going to be talking about the great Gozu and um, Daisuke, Daisuke, wow, Bondi. Farmer Tan. Uh, These Farmer characters Chan. are prime example of getting shafted. Essentially, yes. So both of these two, uh, both of these characters, um, they are both alumni of Hope's Peak Academy, with Gozu being the super former super high school level wrestler, and Bondi being the former super high school level farmer. Uh, he, uh, these, he's, he's, these... he's Luffy. He, he's Luffy from One Piece. Shh. Mommy's talking. Um, yeah, and Guild Darts is Magic Pirate Shanks. Moving on. Mommy is talking, damn it. Um, these That's two... Shh. <laughs> she's okay. I'm behaving today. <laughs> They're not. For Her superpower once, is that she gently once. puts the pillow over your face. And oh my says, god. Shh. Mommy's talking. Mommy's talking. Anyway, um, these two are part of the Future Foundation board of directors, essentially. They each run their own branch office. Uh, Don't talk to Lilac Dearest. <laughs> I'm gonna kill everything right now. Um, but the reason why we're talking about these two first is basically, as Andrew said, um, they did. It's a they're, shame, they're too, because Great take Gozu was great so Gozu. fucking cool. The great Gozu gets met by It's me, Austin! And we take uh, Bondi to the farm up north behind the shed. Oh no. It, it's so, it's a shame because the you know, both of these characters um could have more to tell, especially the great Gozu, because the great Gozu is just an amazing character. He's the only one who initially like is helping these characters. Um yeah. And then Bondi doesn't really do anything because he okay. dies like, right off the bat. Here's he what Bondi was anyway. doomed to die. As soon as he was given Watch Violet, he was dead yep. because somebody was going to punch somebody. <laughs> Fucking okay, look. Sakakura. Anyway. Oh, anyway. I was going to explain something, then Andrew fucking took it away from me. Thank you, patriarchy. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> God damn it. So. Essentially, here's how what happens. These two are among the first to die. Um, Bondi is technically the second victim. Um, he dies of the poison in his wristband because Sakakura is an asshole. Um, That's the theme of the show, Bondi's. by the way. Yes. Um, Sakakura basically activated Bondi's forbidden action. Because in this game, um, there is an attacker um, that comes out at night. Kind They're of similar, playing like, werewolf. Essentially, They're about fucking to say that. playing werewolf. Um, but one of the conditions is they're wearing this armband um, that has the timer that puts them to sleep and all this stuff. But they also have poison in them, and each character has a forbidden action. If they perform this forbidden action, they die. Um, in Bondi's case, Juzo decides to punch Mitarai, and ta-da, he's not supposed to witness violence, so Bondi's dead. Uh, Gozu ends up being the second victim. Um, after the timer goes off, um, which let's not talk about the details of uh, the attacker and stuff like that we'll until get... we get to uh, two certain characters later on down the line. We'll get there. Mm -hmm. um, so the two individuals who voice these characters for 
Uh, Bondi, we have Miss Tia Ballard, who has voiced characters in Kamisama Kiss, Black Butler, Good Book of Circus, and The Disastrous Life of Psyche K. Meanwhile, and she's also Chopper. It's Chopper. No, 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 no. Shut up, no, you're wrong. No, no, you're thinking, wrong. no, wrong, wrong, you're wrong. You're thinking Brina Palencia. You're thinking Brina. Tia Ballard. Then why does it sound exactly like happy. Chopper? Tia Ballard voices happy. Oh. They sound Tia too Ballard similar. Tia Ballard voices the blue cat in Fairy Tale. And you know, the as other for, annoying mascot thing. And as for the great Gozu, mommy's talking now. As for the great Gozu. Oh, I love this one. Chris Rager is the great Gozu. You've heard him in a variety of shows, including Assassination Classroom, Rage of Bahamut, and Tokyo ESP. Please, in a wonderful, orderly fashion, how do we feel about these performances? You forgot Mr. Oh. Satan. Go fuck yourself. He is Hercule. Like, that is how I recognize his voice. I don't care. Anyways. I'm not a Dragon Ball okay, okay, person. Okay, look, look, look. We're going to draw a line in the sand. Andrew and Zenith on the one side about actually giving a fuck about Dragon Ball. Lilac and I are on the classier side where fuck that shit. He's be he's other people besides Hercule and he should be fucking recognized for it. I yes, know, exactly. and I was going to mention that. Again, in a nice orderly fashion, how do we feel about these performances? Well, if Great Gozu didn't fucking go to the Great Gozu in the sky, we would have actually heard Chris Riker fucking do shit in this show. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> For the little time he was there, I really liked it. <laughs> I, uh, I really did. I, I think this is a great performance, and yes, he's only there for, like, what, two episodes? But he clearly brings across the same amount of passion that he does in his other performances. And I love Hercule, and he's great in this. He's pretty much himself. So, yeah, I think this is a great performance. Uh, yeah, I think this is a great performance... But, yeah, he kind of dies way too early. I think yeah. uh, Great Gozu actually is... Chris as Gozu is very great. Basically, he is kind of a mix in two episodes. He's a combination of both Hercule Satan, loud voice, and Principal Asano. He's got a bit of both, and he... He's really one of the nicer characters, and he's so cool. He's so cool, and it's like he's the head, he's the bodyguard of the chairman, and why do we never see anything of him? I want more, damn it! Also, Bondi existed. Tia Ballard was fine as Bondi. Bondi's just fucking weird and was doomed to be- Bondi was weird. As soon as I, I saw know, him, was... I knew he was going to die. <laughs> Okay. I, I didn't even I didn't even like him in the Japanese because he's such a weird character and he has a straw hat, which is by the like, way, fun fact. If, fun fact. Rie Kukamiya voiced him in Japanese and Tia Ballard voiced him in English, both of which are the voices of Happy from Fairy Tale. <laughs> It's, explains so much. It's just a weird, like, you have this that. guy with a straw hat, and he he talks weird, and he says weird things, and, like, I don't even like this character. He was clearly so meant Zenith to be was, a gag character. Would, 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 he, would, he, would he have been a much better character if he had wonderful gum-gum powers now? No, because he would have that <laughs> voice. I tried. No, uh, like... For me, here's the weird thing with Bondi. Tia is an odd choice. No, Tia was it. the correct choice. But I, 
No, correction, no, Tia was the right choice. Hold on, I wasn't done with my statement. Don't cut off, don't cut me off, please. I will turn this fucking minivan around, we will go home, no cake for you assholes. Exactly. So, Tia was an odd choice to me, but I do understand the reasoning behind it. I do understand that because Bondi is a really weird character and has a really weird voice. My I, I think this. the voice fits perfectly with, with the direction that they were going for the character. I just don't care no. for the character. No, it's still weird to me. But, but, but like, Bondi was doomed to die, so there's not much really to talk about. Muscle-headed yeah. sweethearts in Danganronpa equals death. Exactly. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, I mean... I guess I'll... I, I can't even complain about this character because he's not even in for most of the episode. So it's just like, okay. Like, it. Bandai does not Bond, matter. Bandai's, Bandai is probably in, like, an episode and an eighth, maybe? <laughs> That's it. Megan, what were you going to say? I was going to talk about how, at least, like, the stunt casting in both languages, with it being Rei Kugamiya and Tia. Because Tia's literal job is to come and then start bleeding from the fucking face. Just, nice. Just, just... I got taken out behind the shed by the directing crew. And then you were told your dog went to a farm upstate. Oh my god. That's it. They, they needed 16 characters and they said, we can't think of a final one, just make something How up. can we make this character worse than Leon? Oh, God. Oh. Hey, Leon actually kind of was enjoyable for the five minutes she he said, was on she screen. She said worse. She said worse than Leon. Look, as if Leon is a look, high He's going to be some fertilizer meat. and be what he wanted to be and help oh the God. earth grow in the aftermath. So he got to be what Ah, yes. Let's make a farm on his corpse. Oh, my God. I think we need to move oh, on. I'm slice him open like a tauntaun and sleep. We need to move on. Moving on. We need to. Moving on. We need to move on at this point. Consensus. You, you did we need to move on? Oh. <laughs> okay, I'm because shutting that joke down. Because you know, got a mask like a cow and we killed a farmer. Oh my god. It's gonna... The, the, swear to god, if this episode goes three hours like the spare art did, I'm gonna kill a bitch. <laughs> Not my okay. fault this the, time. Oh, are you sure? You're talking a lot right now. Um, anyway... Consensus. Oh yes, we're seeing uh, Lilac go through her despair arc. <laughs> it's been a long fucking week, okay? Um, consensus. Tia Ballard. Odd choice. Some people loved it. So I'm still iffy, but it makes a set sense in terms of pick choices. Chris Rager is great. Gozu, we all loved it, but he just died way too friggin' soon. Gozu did nothing wrong. <laughs> Gozu did nothing wrong. Other than you know, die. Yes. Yeah. So, moving on to the next group of characters. We have three. Um, there is a reason why we have these three together. Um, they may not have too much screen time, but one is a callback to the original game. The other two, the other two, um, they're from an entirely different game. Uh, we're going to be talking about Toko Fukawa, whom, if you remember, um, in Danganronpa, the first game is the uh, Super High School level ultimate writer, and she also has her other side genocider show as well as the ultimate serial killer. But the two characters who are joining her, and this is the reason 
why um, Toko is not going to be with the other recurring characters. Um, we have Komaru Naegi, who is Mokoto Naegi's little sister. And we also have Monika Toa. Um, now, the big reason why these three are together... Um, I call this team plus Ultra Despair Girls. Exactly. Um, hey, Andrew, do you mean plus Ultra? Megan, oh, I will kill God. you! I'm going to kill all of you in a second here. So, Fukawa <laughs> and... every fucking second! So, Fukawa and Komaru... Shut the fuck up for like five minutes! Komaru and Fukawa are the two main heroines characters for Daigarumpa Ultra the Spare Girls, which is essentially a side story that kind of goes in between um, Daigarumpa Animation and Future Arc. Uh, and Mokatoa, she's one of the villains uh, for that game, and she comes in kind of as a minor, minor adversary for um, Future Arc. Um, but we're going to have fun talking about her anyway. So, to recap, because we have talked about Fukawa before, uh, in Diagon of the Animation, she was voiced by Carly Mosier, uh, who does reprise the role here. Now, Komaru. Komaru Nayagi is an interesting situation. So, Komaru Nayagi, there was a small bit of Komaru in Daigarampa the Animation, and again, Daigarampa the Animation was in the works of recording all around the same time as the video game, or even sl maybe slightly before, slightly after, so the castings weren't really talked about. To be fair, um, so we have to be fair, Ultra Despair Girls did not exist at the time of recording for either of those. So, so fuck um, off, haters. Yep. So, in the case of Komaru, um, Alexis Tipton reprises her tiny role from Daigarampa the Animation for Daigarampa Future Arc. Um, but, we do have a... We do have a benefit. We have a plus side here. So, in terms of Monica Toa, what they did, they did bring in Christina V, who did voice the character in Ultra Despair Girls. So, we at least, out of the trio here, we have at least one from Ultra Despair Girls coming in here. Um, so... Just brief roles, excuse me, uh, brief credits for these three. Carly Mosier, you have heard her in series such as Beyond the Boundary, Gato on Crowds, and Yeoman Gund. As for Alexis Tipton, you have probably heard her in Baka and Test, Heavy Object, and Riddle Story of Devil. And as for Christina V, you have seen her in series such as Magi, Alnoa Zero, and Squid Girl. How do we, I don't, I, I hesitate to ask this question because I think it's going to be a mess. How do we feel about these performances? This will be clean cut, actually. Carly Moser and Beyond the Boundary. Yeah, I, I, I'm have a pretty straightforward answer. I actually do too, to be honest. Basically, here's here's what it is. Uh, Carly Moser is still pretty good as Toku Fukawa. Alexis Tipton, even though she's not Jeremy Lee, she's still very great as Komaru Naegi, and I very much enjoy her regardless. That scene where she pouted was cute. Christina V's fucking amazing as Monica, and I appreciate that like, I think I mentioned this in Despair, but since it's been a hot minute since we discussed Despair, I appreciate the actual effort Bevins and crew went to actually make these homages to the oh, game yeah. cast. I very much appreciate oh, yeah. that they he went through the effort. They even got Erica Mendez to voice Nagisa as well for that cameo scene, too, which I thought was really... They didn't have to do that, but that was neat. Monica's amazing, but I gotta say, that episode... In hindsight, kind of basically destroyed the entirety of Ultra Despair Girls. Kind of did. 
Um, side note, if I remember correctly, uh, there was a slight cameo from Erica Lindbeck, too. Um, she was the gym teacher. Remember the beginning of one of those episodes where Kizakura and this gym teacher are, like, trying to storm Hope's Peak? Was it her or Mendez? I don't remember. I think it's no, Mendez. No, Mendez is Nagisa. No, Mendez I think Mendez was both. No, because no, Mendez it was is, um... No, Mendez is also in episode... I think she was the gym teacher, two too. of Despair... Where no, she's I'm, the sub I, for the class. I feel like she was Lindbeck, but... It doesn't matter. I, I, There's a lot of Erica's that characters basically got killed by a trench tort. Let's continue. Megan, you had a question about Beyond the Boundary? Yeah, who the fuck is Carly Moser in that? Izumi Nase. Oh, is she the older sister? I think so, yes. Oh, just yeah. To, just to answer your question. She's Betrayal um, Sister, but you would only understand that joke if you've watched Beyond the Boundary. No, I mean... I enjoyed it, but I'm somebody who hasn't actually played Ultimate Despair Girl. Honestly, you don't oh. need to now. I've, I've, I've no, no, you do because Ultra Ultra Despair Girls is is my favorite game in the series. So what? Yes. Uh oh. Okay, look, oh, no. you two can have a wank off after we record. Oh my god. Anyway, wank, Megan. jag, finger. I don't fucking care. You all two can beat the shit out of each other later. Megan. Um, yes. Continue, please. Anyway, as somebody who's not as much attached to Jeremy as fucking sister, um, I'm sorry, I'm horrible with names. I'm really tired. Um, Kamaru. I liked it. I like Alexis Tipton a lot, and I think that she kind of got unfairly bashed by people who wanted yeah. to go after Funimation for the whole first game shit. For one, technically she's the original voice of the sister. Actually, Ultimate, technically she is. Technically she is, because Ultra Despair Worlds wasn't even a fucking concept at that point. So y'all need to shut the fuck up. I'm sorry I keep saying fuck a lot, but... Swear jar! Who gives a fuck? Swear college fun. Is, is it fuck o'clock? Yes, it's fuck o'clock. Everybody oh gets a fuck o'clock at the fuck. Anyway. Okay, Everyone gets a fuck at fuck o'clock. Oh anyway... Anyway, as I was saying, I think it's fine. Um, Christina V is absolutely adorable and terrifying. Mm -hmm. um, but the best part is obviously when she even gets disgusted at Komida and launches herself uh, to the love to the love ship. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, um. I want to talk I, about that I, briefly I... in a bit. Can I go? Zenith, please. Yes. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, as someone who has extensively played the games, like, I, I've played Ultra Despair Girl twice, um, I mean, in, in terms of Toko, I think she does a, a good job, not quite as good as the game, but good enough, uh, same thing with, uh, with Naegi's sister, I mean, she does a fantastic job in Ultra Despair Girls, but you did mention that she had been voiced by a different character before, I think... You know, I, I, I think she does a, an all right job here. Um, I, I'm not going to say it's bad, but it, it's it's okay. But Christina V as Monica is amazing. Um, and I do disagree with the whole uh, Ultra Despair Girls episode ruined the game. Because uh, if you pay attention, uh, a lot of the things that they do in this episode are a direct reference to... Ultra Despair Girls. Basically, it's a continuation of. I, I think. I think essentially what Andrew kind of meant more was that how that ended seemed like 
I don't know if it was maybe like abrupt, but that might have like dampered. It was such a vittle figure. Like if you, I it just. Yeah. That's what he meant. Yeah. Like she was. Dude, she went up to dude. space. Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay, okay. Look, I like obviously to review cheesy movies. I like the red herring of Monica not being the main villain. I thought that was fine and dandy. I thought that was neat. But I'll say this. One, the fact that she just kind of gave up and was just like, fuck it, I don't care anymore, was kind of bullshit. Even though it was hilarious that fucking Nagito did something amazing for once and it's like, this guy's a fucking freak. I don't want to be like him. I thought that was still funny. But on the other hand, the fact that Miyaya Gekko Kahara has the most interesting setup of all of the future foundation members and they do nothing in both arcs fucking pisses me off okay she yeah i'll agree devel- with that because i want to know her fucking story and she is the developer yeah i agree with that neo world program you yeah, do nothing the- with that slight slight context for people who haven't seen the show Gekko Gahara, she is a member of Future Foundation. However, during the future, she goes arc, Zoom. She's she's a, she in the future arc. She's described basically as this quiet, shy girl who only talks through her avatar, whom we're gonna get to in a little while, actually. But in reality, um, she was actually murdered by Monica by and Monica. has been replaced and with a, bo- a robot to spy on the things going on during the Future Foundation escapades. Hey guys, exactly. you know what would be nice? What mm-hmm. a host. A host who doesn't get interrupted. Andrew. I'm being good today. I was just... I just got yelled at by my actual mom. (laughs) Now I just... Hey, Andrew. (laughs) Know what I just imagined? It's time to go to sleep. No, Mona, no! (laughs) You say that? You say that? And my Mona plushie is staring at me right now. I'm gonna fucking steal your Mona plushie. No, (laughs) he he is mine, and he is adorable. I'm actually trying to find one. Anyway, we're getting sidetracked again. Um, But yeah, that's essentially the context for Gekugahara throughout um, future, and that again brings in Monica into the situation um for me Christina because I've watched at least a good amount of a playthrough of Ultimate Ultra the Sphere Girls I actually obviously I haven't played it myself unfortunately um so I don't know the entire story of Ultra the Sphere Girls I only know only so much child abuse Chris- the story of child abuse Christina V is almost batshit insane almost to the level of Jamie Marquis Junko. Uh, well, maybe a little bit more, only because there was that slight issue with Jamie we had um, with Junko. But um, there's that. Uh, I I think the difference between Jeremy and Alexis, there's not really much of a difference, to be perfectly honest. So I feel like Alexis did rather well um, as Komaru for Future Art. And then I still personally like Carly Mosier's uh, Fukawa. It may be a little bit rough here or there, but because I'm more used to the anime series, those anime series in general, rather than um, the video games, my ear and my preference kind of goes to Carly Mosier for Fukawa. That's really my thought on that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Okay. General consensus. We had a lot of fun with Ultra Despair Girls for a moment. Let's move on. Excuse me, burps. Um, the next two characters we're going to talk about, they are both Future Foundation members. Uh, 
sweet baby Jesus. Uh, one of them being a complete and utter bitch. I'm gonna stay um, silent for a second. Okay, good, please. Uh, we have Miss Ruruka Ando and Mr. Sonosuke Izuyoi. So, Ando is the former super high school level confectioner. Izuyoi is the former super high school level blacksmith. Uh, and again, they we'll... fucking bangin'! Yeah. They basically are in love with each other. Um, but Even though one is a blacksmith and the other one is a massive bitch! Yep. Um, but the key thing here is, and it kind of gets brought up partway through, um, there are these rumors going around about Ando that another character brings up later on in the show, where she has is essentially created this sleeper cell unit of some kind in a Future Foundation, and they're possibly splintering into a different, like a completely new faction um, run by her. Um, and essentially, Izuyoi is just completely and totally faithful to Ando. No ifs, ands, or buts. Um, so, the individuals who voice these characters, uh, for Ruduko, Ruduka Ando, we have Miss Jade Saxon, who has been in series such as Occupus Strip, Arslan, and Death Parade. And as for Izuyoi, I think this series was actually my introduction to this individual, Mr. Brendan McGinnis. I think it was uh, mine, too. Who, Yep. Who everybody's. Probably. So, you've heard him in other series such as 91 Days, Nanbaka, and Eld Live for something a little bit more recent. Uh, to get our thoughts going and out there and out of the way, oh my god, Izuyoi deserves a hug. Izuyoi deserves better. He deserves so Izuyoi much could better. build his own fucking girlfriend, and it would be better to him than Veruka. Oh my god. Hashtag Veruka is a hoe. Now, yes. And this is confirmed by, by Easy Yoi's voice actor. This is confirmed by Brendan <laughs> McGinnis himself. <laughs> that being said, thank God they got Jade Saxton to play this queen-ass bitch. Yes. Nobody else could have done it. Oh my god. Here, here's another thing, and we're probably going to talk about it a lot more when we get to the next set of characters. These two as well as one other character we're going to get to. There's, a, there's a, basically this complete storyline between these three characters that occurs both in Future and in Despair Arc. Um, but we'll get in a little bit more detail about that when we get to the next character we talk about. Um, but yeah. Probably some of the best stuff in the series. Yeah, it's some of the best stuff in there. Um, <laughs> freaking. Oh, Jade. Oh, Jade. Uh, honey. Honey, sweetie. Oh my god, I love you. So I'm gonna, Such a bitch. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you for a second. I did not care for Isayoi's voice for a while. Honestly, it just didn't work for me for a lot of the show. I think it, I wasn't sure if it was that he was a newer actor or if it was just like the face and the voice just didn't look like they clicked for me. But it just for a while it didn't really work for me. Ironically enough, until like the end, where like he was having where he bites it, both metaphorically and literally. But yes. <laughs> That's right! Because yep. he dies via the kiss of the spider bit. Anyways, <laughs> basically. I'll say this. He was also... He's another example of a character that's... He, of the three in this little click arc, has the least going on. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that is another crying shame. Because he's, he's interesting, but he has almost nothing to work with outside of being in love with Ruruka. Honestly, yeah. if I can say something, 
despite being in more episodes than the great Gozu, he's somehow less of a character than the actual great Gozu. He is! Who at least seemed mostly faceted. Mm -hmm. No offense to Izuai or Brandon, who I think does a really good job, mm -hmm. but he's kind of just not got a lot going on other than he the hammer is his penis and the fires of his kiln lies between Maruka's legs. The knife, the knife <laughs> it, it's a shame because like as the ultimate blacksmith we see him like just constantly using hammer space to get all these weapons and stuff like that and I I like his design I like I I like what they do in terms of his visual appeal and I think as a character in in something else or if if he were allowed to be in one of the games, he'd be an interesting character to interact with. But here it's just, I like you, Raruka. I know you's a hoe, but it's okay. <laughs> it's kinda, okay to I be the hoe. My opinion, I mean, he does my... kind of find the secret exit room, but then he dies, like, right after. Which isn't oh, an exit oh, that room. That knife was much okay. duller than it, it appeared to be, let's put it like that. Let's put a little bit of context into here, because um, we actually haven't talked about victims in a while. So Izuyoi, um, he is technically he is what the fourth or fifth victim. Uh, I think he was scenario? sixth actually, or fifth or sixth, because it was go. It was Chisa Gozu. It was Chisa Bondai Gozu. Tengen. No, I think it was Tengen, Seiko, uh, oh, you're right, six. Six, yeah. So, in Izuo's case, he's not killed by the actual attacker. Um, Ruruka actually murders Forbidden him. action. Because somebody has insecurity. In okay, okay. His... Um, I want to talk about that for a second. Um, can, can I just finish the context? My apologies, my apologies. Okay, continue. Okay, so essentially... As we brought up before, Izuyoi finds a quote-unquote secret entrance so they can escape, um, which Ruruka's forbidden action is letting some other player leave the playing field. So out of fear, she kills Izuyoi through his forbidden action, which is putting food in his mouth. Which, kissed by the spider bitch, um, of course the ultimate confectioner, Gives him a kiss, puts food in his mouth, and he's done. Um, Andrew, yes, please. Okay, I'll say this. I think that Izayoi is a very hollow piece of metal. But, mm -hmm. Rurika, she a hoe? She a bitch? But she's fucking fascinating to me. Because Honestly, she yeah. starts out as this, like, sort of, oh, you see her as, like, oh, she's so moe, she's so cute, oh, I love you. But then she's kind of one of, like, the bitchiest, most sinister characters from behind, which is great, because I love that kind of heel turn in this series. And I think the way they handle her, like, insecurities of sweets is partly, like, why she lost Seiko as a friend and why mm -hmm. she kind of had to betray Izayoi. Because she's... All she knows is how to make sweet things. She kind of became... Like, that's all she knows. And she's afraid she'd be nothing without it. She thinks she has power because she's cute and she has a man that'll stand by her side. But without that, 
she is nothing and she sees like friendship and camaraderie as people will eat her stuff she could never fully let open herself up to seiko because she would never eat her food because of like a health hazard of hers and the reason she betrayed him is because she was so afraid of the one thing she ever held on to that stuck with her would leave her and i think that's fascinating and interesting and honestly I kind of think wanted her or Seiko to survive just so that character arc of like sacrifice could manifest, but uh, that, that didn't last and she got one of the most brutal deaths. I will say though, yeah. she got a fucking brutal death, holy shit. Also, I'll say this, Jade Saxon gets typecast as a lot of like the whole Sundere characters. She's fucking perfect as Ruruka. She's got that- Yeah, no, nobody else should have ever- yeah, consider. She's perfect. got that higher than thou elementary, my dear ho ohm snobbiness when she's got the playing field, and then she cowers and hides under those fake crocodile tears when she doesn't get her way, like she's vulnerable and the diabolical yeah. bitchy. She's fucking perfect as Ruruka. Oh man, yeah, I, I think both of these are perfect casting choices. To be honest, like. Uh, say what you will about Izayoi not really being a uh, big character, but I think he was well-voiced. Um, and yeah, I, his voice actor is a, the nicest guy. We saw him uh, at Yomacon last year, and he's just a fun person to talk to. He's the one who yeah. said, like, yeah, Rook is a hoe. Like, <laughs> yeah, he, Brendan McGinnis confirmed this himself. Look, he may, he may have not been a big so character, sweet. but he was probably pretty big for Ruruka. No. Oh God. Um, but, anyway, but that's my consensus. Both of them are great. I, I, I couldn't see anybody else in that in those roles. So yeah, I think for me, um, Brendan took a minute, probably because a at the time I'd never heard of this person before, um, but b going back to it now more recently and after hearing much more from Brendan before, uh, it I can kind of agree with Andrew a little bit. It was a little bit rough to start with. But up until where he, he receives the kiss of the spider bitch, um, I think it improved. Spider. I think he's definitely. Thank you. I think it improved. He's come a long way as an actor because I actually really Absolutely. liked him in 91 Days and Nonbaka. He's phenomenal. He's phenomenal I, I, in 91 Days. I loved th it. This was definitely an early role, and I feel mm -hmm. like it was whether it was him getting the ropes of voice acting or if he just didn't have a lot to work with with this character. Those kind of held it, the performance down for me. On the other hand, his fucking hoe of a bay is fucking perfect. Yeah, I think Ando is the eighth victim. Oh, don't don't she even try just, counting the numbers. She's just, just too late. Yeah, it, she's so the eighth. Much. She's the eighth victim. She's the eighth victim. There's so much good to her her Jade's performance as this character, and like honestly, if they got to if she, one of them would have gotten to live, whether it be Kimura, her, or Izayoi, I would have liked to see it go against kind of what the end of the series ends up being, because mm. a lot of the end of this series deals with those things of camaraderie, and because Waruka is basically afraid of, of I, with as many sex jokes as we've been making about this character, I can't believe the phrase I'm about to say. Uh-oh. She's got this insecurity and fear of intimacy herself that oh, yeah. it's really, really great to see composed against what 
a lot of the first game cast was kind of doing to her. And I like how you see the evolution of the franchise kind of culminate with a character like Veruca and her actions. And I think Jade got to really sink her teeth. It, I, God damn it. Um, I'm proud of you. <laughs> oh my God. Um, Just, it, it's, it's an evolution if you look at the way the characters are because Danganronpa 1... There were some complex characters, but not really. There was a lot of surface-level characters, um, and it built up to this point. I think Future Arc has a lot of the better characters in the series, mm-hmm. but they, they all end up dying, and that was one of my biggest things at the time, where, like, I really like Gozu. Dead. I really like Izuyoi. I mean, dead. we're getting to my favorite character eventually. Like, my favorite character in all of Danganronpa eventually. Fun fact, fun mm-hmm. fact. Um, when I, when I, by episode two, I remember watching a theory of the series that the little uh, 8-bit sprites where they were explaining this particular game was hinting at mm-hmm. who was going to live, who was going to die, and who was the traitor. I'll say this. The traitor was correct, and they were almost right with who survived. Basically, it was like who was facing forward, who was whoever was going left to right was going to die, and the one person that was facing behind was the traitor. And the people that were facing forward were Makoto, Kirigiri, Gekko Gahara, Ryota Mitarai, uh, Kyosuke Munafukada, and Rurika Ando. So they were kind of close. They were kind of close. They were essentially essentially off by Asahina. They were off by Asahina, and the fact that Rurika died and Gekugahara was a non-entity. It was a robot that technically Technically, died. Well, well, hold on. Hold on. Technically, you can also say Gekugahara did survive because Monika Toa. You can technically say she survived. Look, that robot's Um, fucking gone, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, um, but anyway, general consensus: it clearly we both we we love these two performances from Jade and Brendan. Uh, is that safe to say? Yes. Safe to say. Okay. Moving on. Moving on. All right, because we're not even halfway through this list. Time for uh, the next. We had some very problematic cinnamon P- rolls. Let's talk about the characters that did nothing wrong in their entire lives and only deserve the best. God damn it. Why they did nothing wrong? They deserved better. Oh. Koichi Kizakura and Seiko Kimura. Um, to kind of lead from the context behind Ando and Izuyoi. Um, Kimura, she is the former super high school level pharmacist. Uh, to go much more in detail, she and Ando they were friends when they were little kids, but eventually they kind of grew distant. Um, with Kimura being used rather frequently by Ando um, to a point where while the three of them at Hope's Peak Academy during an incident which we see in the the spare arc, the three of them get expelled. Um, And essentially from there, uh, Kimura and Ando have kind of been at odds ever since. Uh, Kizakura, he used to be the scout for Hope's Peak Academy, so he's the one who would always scout out these individual great talents. He was the scout uh, and and the technical teacher of the 77th class but he was too busy yes. scouting so chisa yuki too busy scouting and too busy being basically too busy scouting and too busy being drunk <laughs> part of the time um but the big thing for him was that he was banging kyoko's dad no 
he, he's really good friends with um, Kirigiri's dad, um, who was the principal of Hope's Peak at the time. He also looks like fucking... What's his name? I don't know. What is his name? The actor. That, that one actor. Oh my god, David Spade. Oh god damn it. Oh no, he kind of does. He's a chorus new group. I hate that you're right. Oh okay. Anyway. Oh, can, so... can I introduce these two actors? No. Aww. I get to. I'm the host, damn it. I'm the host. So the reason why Kizakura and Seiko are together and why Kimura is not with Ando and Izuyoi, um, there's an interesting reason for this. So casting-wise, for Kizakura, we have Mr. Keiji Tang, who has been in series such as Fate, Stay Night, Unlimited Blade Works, Kill la Kill, and Princess Stride. And as for Seiko Kimura, um, most of the performance is from Miss Aaron Fitzgerald, whom you have seen in Hyperdimension Neptunia, Nice of Sidonia, and Sailor Moon. Um, but there is a younger version as well. I forgot to get credits for Amanda her. Amanda C. Miller. Exactly. Now, here's the reason why these three are... Th these two characters are essentially together. These three voice actors were part of the original game. Yes. Uh, KG Tang is the actual original... the game voice for Hagakure. Meanwhile... Aaron Fitzgerald and Amanda C. Miller, they pulled double duty for two different characters. Um, Toko Fukawa and Junko Enoshima. So, kind of talking about, like, hey, Bevins took the time to bring these people in. Sup, guys? <laughs> I appreciate that they did that, and it's like, we have some new characters. Would you guys that we kind of shafted from the original thing want to be these new characters? And these were probably the ones that were the most willing and really excited to return to the mm -hmm. franchise, and I'm glad they did, because they're great. They're phenomenal. They did phenomenal performances. Um, going into thoughts on those performance, her performances, because we're in terms of Kimura, we're probably going to mostly be referring to uh, Aaron Fitzgerald's performance. Um, Aaron Fitzgerald's performance, what did I write down? Fucking amazing! Yeah, I think her performance is one of my favorites from the, sh from the dub. And the best honestly. part is, it's two performances for two different arcs, and they're completely different sounding, but they're the same yep. person. It's like, yeah. you have, like, gruff, I've seen some shit, Hulkamania motherfucking, like, take the pills, basically steam it out, fuck some shit up, and then you have dainty little Moe has never done anything wrong in their world, yep. I want to hug this precious child and tell her everything's going to be daijobu. She and, goes from and there's cinnamon the... to sin, Amin, in one arc flat. There, there's also like the introduction of her where she is kind of in the middle. She has she has a gruff voice, but she's not really hulked out. Like she's kind of, kind of emo a little bit. Like I, I think Seiko in general is extremely well voiced, and and, um, I like every aspect of her character. She gives you a reason why she is the way she is, and, um, you know. Ruka, fuck you for for making her this way, hurting this precious child. I kind of feel like personality-wise, Seiko, um, Seiko definitely is more of the quiet, introvert, loner kind of character. And when they're little and they're young, and she ends up meeting Ruka and befriends her, like 
there's a genuine friendship there at first, but then it just turns really, really sour rather quickly. And again, to the point where they get expelled because of this misunderstanding. Thank you, Nagito. Um, but Aaron Fitzgerald... Fucking oh, Yeah, thanks, Komaida. Um, Fuck but, you, Komaida. But yeah, Aaron Fitzgerald, I think, is a phenomenal, phenomenal performance. Definitely one of my favorites. And between her, Jade, and Brendan, they have a really good balance with each other for that entire storyline that they have. Um, They're some of the more developed characters in mm -hmm. the show yep. compared compared to some of the others that are kind of left on a living room floor to dry out in the in the shade. They, yeah. Their entire storyline is just fascinating, and the more you think about it, like, it just... Uh, anyway. Anyway, moving on to KG... I haven't gotten to say anything! I'm sorry, we're taking forever here. I know, I'm sorry. I just want to say, because I'm the one who put Aaron Fitzgerald as my W pick for best pick kind of drama last uh, year. Ah, yes, true, fair. Fair. Because I, I love the shit out of it from being... Oh, okay, just make sure you pick the right label, like, type of voice, to how raw and angry she is at this at this friend of hers. But for me, I think the moment that really secured it for me um, in the performance is when she's laying under the monitor... Oh, right, yeah. Right before mm. she dies. And she pulls out the candy that Raruka gave her all that time oh, ago. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, that did it. Yeah. And she's, like, kind of, like, even though Raruka doesn't see it, because obviously, as a viewer, you have privileges that characters don't, you see that she does still, no matter what Raruka does, still does treasure their friendship with each other. Mm-hmm. And that she she didn't eat it, not because she didn't want to, but because she would literally have killed her. Um, thanks for the understanding, Raruka. Yeah, I know, right? Security's a bitch. Anyways. Bitch. But, um, that whole, like, the way that she says, like, goodbye, because, of course, then it cuts, and the next time you see her, she's dead. Mm -hmm. Which makes me theorize that her, um... I, I don't want to spoil the thing about what the actual killer is. We'll get is, to that in another segment or two. We're, but we're, prob but we're probably going to get to that to the next segment. Please set of remind me what I want to say about this then. Uh, also, for anybody who doesn't know who Amanda C. Miller is, she's the current voice of Sailor Jupiter. Yeah, that's probably the best, most well known for her. Um, anyway, how. And about then as for David Spade. Uh, <laughs> how do you Holy feel? Holy shit, it's KG Tang! You love What's it. That? You know you <laughs> love it. KG Tang told me KG so. KG Tang told me so. I know I really Thanks, love Sarah this performance. Um, I know I love this performance. Before I talk I... about the performance, before I talk about this performance, I want to bring up a plot hole because I'm going to bring up a couple of those. How do you keep? You your... better make them. Quick I'll make it very quick. How do you keep your left hand closed when you go to sleep and wake up? I feel like that's instant Question. death. Can he have it closed around something? Like. They never established that, but that is like... Because then he can just put it in his pants and play pocket pool. I, I've actually done it so, before where, like, I've had my phone in my hand falling asleep and I woke up with it closed like that. So it is possible. Okay, okay, so that's slight, it. So slight, slight context so people understand. His forbidden action He's, is that he can't open up his right hand. Left hand, I was about to tell people. Yes, thank you. Um, and essentially, he ends. Kizakota ends up dead from his forbidden action while trying to save, while saving Kitty Giddy, uh, because Ando again is a bitch. 
Um, now, KG Tang's performance. I love it. It's great. He's amazing. He did nothing wrong. Um, I have a slight problem here. Oh, I, no. This is one of two characters that I had a problem with. It's not that I don't like the voice actor, and I think the voice is good, but I saw the Japanese first, and I think the Japanese had a much better uh, aspect of who this character was. It's more the speaking... Um, it's not the voice itself, it's more the way he speaks. Because he's supposed to be this grizzled kind of... Uh, he's supposed he, he to almost, sound like an old fart. Yeah, he's supposed to sound grizzled, and he talks slower. He's supposed to be like, oi, oi, like... He reminds me a lot of uh, Kizaru from One Piece, and his speaking mannerisms are important. And they didn't get that across in the dub. Okay, that's fair. What I'm going to say, because I'm going to disagree with you on this, Zenith, because um, I also watched the Japanese first. I'm pretty sure all of us did. Megan, who was um, the voice of the guy in Japanese? I want to say Chinichi Suwabe, but I don't think it is. Sorry for Wrong! Don't you dare come into my house with that name and fuck it up. <laughs> I will look it up. At least he's not trying to guess Hiroshi getting Hiroshi Kimi. <laughs> Why do you all anyway, make fun of me? Anyway, because we love you. Anyway. I'm gonna the baby and it's fun to make fun of children. Anyway, I'm going to disagree with what you said, Zenith. Um, only because the kind of performance I got from KG Tang out of this, it was much more what I wrote. I think it's brilliant. It's kind of more, a bit more nonchalant, more relaxed, and yet rather protective. Because remember, he's kind of a drunk a little bit. Um, but drink, drink, I also kind of see him more in the same age range as Kirigiri's dad. So mm -hmm. not not on the age scale leaning a bit more towards Tengen, but I would say maybe more middle-aged, if anything. So not too grizzled. Mid-40s, 50s. But yeah, exactly. as, as a drunk, would that not, A, slur your speech more, make it more drawn out, and B, wouldn't, wouldn't that change your vocal cords after a while? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Mm. I have the first. Who is it? Who it is? Who is it? It is uh, Keiji uh, Fujiwara, who is known for doing voices. Uh, I'm trying to come back into uh, the more recently. If you've watched the Japanese version of Psychopath, he is Sakuya Togane. Mm. Um, he is Tatsumi in Death Parade. Okay. Uh, he is Kasagi. Okay. Uh, Kasagi? He. I just realized uh, uh, he's been voiced by KG in two languages. Um, he's Kasagi in um, Monster Musume. He's the chairman in Prison Wait, School. Wait, who was he in Monster Musume? Kasagi, but uh, in 2016, he was uh, Yoshi Kaida in Dagashi Kashi. Okay, okay. Uh, and, I, he, I, and he was also, because uh, I, I know you've watched it, Andrew, Aldebaran in ReZero. Aldebaran? Aldebaran? Spell yeah. the name out for me in the chat, because I'm not sure what you're talking about. Anyway, um, I mean, the, the drunk aspects for Kizakura is more that he gets sick, which is on display in the spare arc. Um, but I think he kind of straightens up. He, come future arc, I'm pretty sure he doesn't drink as often anymore. I mean, so. where are you going to find booze down there? You'd be surprised. He could have a stash. Well, uh, um, well, sure. Not under the sea, you don't. 
no, it, it, in his like, back my, pocket. My, Under the sea. <laughs> Under the my, sea. My point still stands. Darling, um, it's better. Down where it's wetter. Take it from me. <laughs> Love you, boss. Continue. Let's wrap this. Let's wrap this guy up. Anyway, my, I think my point still stands. I think the perf kind of performance that Cage Tang was more going for was a bit more relaxed and nonchalant um, compared to the Japanese, which works really well. Because mm -hmm. to have Kizakura counterbalance to Kitagiri's dad, in a sense, in despair, because we have uh, Gene Kitagiri again, who Tatum reprises the role here. For the spare art, who's a bit more uptight, and then you have this much more relaxed figure to kind of loosen him up a little bit to get him calmed down. So, in terms of that balance, I think it's it's great, and I like the performance here from KG. He sacrificed himself. To, to I keep I disagree, his but I I can see your point. Um, yeah. I will. We I, can agree I, to I disagree. still don't agree, but you you have your point. I side a little I'm more with the lilac on this one. It, I'm gonna go with mom. Yay! You're not wrong to think so, the way you do, Zenith. I'm just saying. Yeah, you're you're, you're not. But wrong. no, I see completely where Zenith's coming from. Where a slower, more paced speech, as compared to this slick talking looking dude. It's it's not the same. But I'm wondering if they were trying to do a more approachable version of that particular speech pattern, and it just didn't resonate with you. Hmm. That, that also, could be it. Also, can I please make a bad joke? Play, make your bad yeah, I mean, joke. I, and then we gotta move. I mean, like, hold on. I mean, like, for me, usually I try not to have, like, this, like the same or close to the same performances from Seiyu and English voice actor. I honestly prefer t different interpretations. Like, I'm always interested in seeing, like, what this person's take on is versus this so that's why I kind of feel like I prefer Keiji here because it's a bit more relaxed and nonchalant rather than the gruff guy from the Japanese, really. That's just my take on it. Uh, Megan, what was your terrible joke before we move on? Hey guys, what's Jin Kirigiri's favorite song? What? <laughs> Rocket Man! <sighs> Go to the corner. Go to the corner Think right about now. what you've done. <laughs> oh my god. So moving on. I would hand it to I'm Megan. Not, I'm Megan, not sorry. I would give you a hand, but that's something that Kizakura already did. Oh. Too soon. E even this, he shouldn't have died. And nah, I, I mean, he should have fallen for Kirigiri. Completely, but that's irrelevant. That was part of the character arc, and it worked better. I mean, yeah, okay. it's part of the it's part of the character arc. I wish he would have still lived, but he did fulfill like his character arc came full circle, and I'm fine with him having. Died. But now he's free, free fallen. God damn okay, it. we're moving on. Fuck Go this. to the corner again. <laughs> So, 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 <laughs> consensus. We all love, we loved Aaron Fitzgerald as Kimura, and we're mixed feelings on Keiji Tang, though the majority seem to be perfectly fine with it. Moving Kimura on. Kimura was my chemical romance. Moving on. All right. The next two characters. Um, one of which we actually discussed in the spare arc. Um, these are one of two that we discussed in the last episode for. Um, so we have Kazo Tengen, who is the chairman of the Future Foundation. He is also the former principal of Hope's Peak Academy. 
And we're going to be talking- Crack up job there, buddy! <laughs> and we're going to be talking again about Ryota Mitarai. Uh, Ryota Mitarai, he is part of the Future Foundation. Um, he is also part of the 77th class, uh, which ends up being turned into the Ultimate Despairs by Junko. He is the only one who did not get turned into that. Um, and we'll go into a bit more context as to what happens. Plot hole city. Um, in, a, in a minute. Um, but the performances we got, uh, or the voice actors we have for these two characters, uh, just again to recap, um, if you did not watch the Despair arc episode, Justin Briner is the voice of Ryota Mitarai. I got this right. We know. Um, and he is, uh, he has been in other shows such as My Hero Academia, Nambaka, and Servamp. Uh, as for Tengen... Uh, we have Mr. Mark Stoddard, who has been in series such as Blah Blah K Battlefront, Drifters, and Ping Pong, and I, and if, we, we decided not to talk about predictions, but I got this one right, actually. Um, so, to try and give a bit more context into the show at this point, um, major spoilers. I probably should mention spoilers. We have a warning. You're at watching this, point, this as they it. fucking know. They know what they clicked on. So, here's the thing. So, at the end of it all, this whole killing game, it was set up by Tengen. Okay? Okay. What essentially happened is... Ten the, the attackers are essentially the people stuck in the game themselves. They commit suicide. How this is done is if when... During the night, uh, night hours, quote-unquote... Um, if you're near one of the monitors, you're woken up by your arm bangle. And there's a recording from Monokuma, and he plays this video. It's essentially this brainwashing video. Which is the same that technology gets... that Ryota Mitarai was sort of manipulated into using by Juko and Oshima. I was getting to that. Can you not interrupt me, please? Sorry. Sir, I love you, but stop it. Um... But yes, um, essentially, Tengen gets his hands on this video uh, from another character we're going to talk about next. Uh, I'm not going to say who it is, for obvious reasons, because spoilers again. Um, but essentially, Tengen sets up this mutual killing game um, where the attackers are basically themselves. And the whole reason is to push Mitrai to the point where Mitrai created this video of hope, as it's called. Um, so he could broadcast that and basically brainwash everyone into believing in hope and feeling hopeful. Um, so there, it's this big thing at the end, um, of future arc that they go through. Don't do it, Mitarai! Don't do it, Mitarai! Um, so, performance-wise, performance-wise, now that we got contacts out of the way, because I don't Can I go first before you, don't, you take the dog's muzzle off? I know, right? Because... Now that we have context-wise, because we initially talked about Justin Bryan's performance before, obviously, seeing the entire story, so this is going to be a little bit different um, to talk about now that we know what's going on. Megan, can you please start? Okay, so now we've gone from the guy playing another guy playing another guy. I'm the dude playing the dude playing another dude. Just insert Robert Downey Jr. meme here. Oh my god. But, uh, no, Justin Briner, if you don't, if for some god-awful reason, you think that all anime dubs are bad, and that there are no good talent left in the world, 
I hope to grab a copy of this, Seraph of the End, and My Hero Academia, and beat you into a bloody goddamn pulp. Yeah. Because Justin does a fantastic job as Mitarai. He goes through a lot of shit and guilt and horribleness, and just his delivery in that last episode against... And just... When he's talking to Johnny Bosch. <laughs> How he felt like he deserved to be alone. To, to, to alone. And like, you genuinely feel horrible for this fucking kid. Yeah. Like, like, uh, fuck, like, Seiko deserves a hug or Izuyu deserves a hug. Somebody give Mitarai like a warm blanket and some hot damn cocoa. This boy's been through enough. Oh my God. And I, and I think Justin does a really good job at that. And it's understated how good his performance is, especially with him being next to Brandon, probably one of the newest actors out of all of them. Mm -hmm. I think that he did a, a fan-fucking-tastic job. And my theory, now that I can say it because we're talking about this, so my theory is that when Seiko is under the monitor, because apparently you see the thing that is probably related to somebody dying, seeing as a certain character saw all of the people he loved that died. My thing is that it involves the day that um, they fucked up at Hope's Peak. But going on. Okay. Um, I'm not going to go into character to story stuff because I I, I I can go into that. But first things first, performance-wise, honestly, Megan kind of said it all with Justin Briner. I think... He is fantastic, emotional. Like, he, he even did fat Ryota Mitarai stuff, too, as well, which was interesting yeah. and fun in and of itself. I'm a dude playing but, a dude playing another dude. But uh, he is genuinely, like, the amount of pain, frustration, like, he was clearly set up for me to be the mastermind. And to be honest, part of me still kind of wanted him to be the mastermind, just on the grounds that that makes more sense and was built up far more than Tangan being the mastermind. Honestly, I'm... Which, hey, Mark Stoddard playing a crazy uh, old dude. Good on look, you, Mark. Mark. Stoddard, okay, Mark Stoddard is fantastic as Tangan. I'm not going to argue that. That is pretty much fact at this point. But my problem with that narrative thread is that I'm okay with the mystery reveal that it is a red herring that they are all kind of mentally being brought into despair because of a brainwashing video that's fine that's dandy that was hinted at and that was there was general ways for the audience and the theorists to come up with ways to figure that out the logic and the way that they revealed tangens was odd confusing unsatisfying and honestly, how the fuck does an old-ass man move a footage of fucking beefcake motherfuckers like Juzo and Great Gozu down into the fucking ocean by his lonesome? The, the, uh, obviously with a cart. My biggest problem with it is that um, there was no hint exactly. ever that Tengen could arc. have been. Like, like Tengen is is a good twist when it comes to surprise and shock but it doesn't connect it's unearned and it's never even explained and it's like there's no way to tell into spare art there's plenty of ways to find ryota to come to that conclusion and for the longest time i thought it was going to be either ryota or chisa uh. and i'm still convinced it should have been ryota or chisa 
it should have been Ryota because of the way Junko left him, and that would have made sense plot-wise. But putting that aside, I think both of these voice actors are great. Um, I, I think Tangen is, is very, very good. I think Ryota is amazing. So, I mean, overall, like, regardless of what I think of that plot thread, these two are well-voiced and enjoyable. Yeah, like, for me in Tengen's case, and when I was watching the Japanese and originally making predictions a long-ass time ago, I was looking for that authoritative voice and that authoritative figure, and Mark's daughter was, of course, the first to come to mind, because he voices a lot of authority figures. So, I'm just like, cool. <laughs> Not only did I get this right, but, Ten but Tengen was a great performance. Um... Because, what did I write down? Starter placed, the two, placed two kinds of sides of Tengen. A kinder and understanding man, and yet a complete and total badass. Because, <laughs> like, when he's facing Munakata fairly early on, um, that was pretty freaking Motherfucker awesome. pulled a leather, um, a, a fucking spiked pipe out of his abdomen to cut his eye open. Yup. Yup. Um, and then as for Justin, what did I write I remember that Justin is a wimpy McWimp pants, which it makes sense for Mitrai's character. But yeah, like everybody else, but basically like you all said at this point, Mitrai goes through some shit. Honestly, I can't see Mitrai being the mastermind. I can see what you're saying because it of the brainwashing. If, uh, because of the brainwashing chain technology and all that stuff. If it was, I can see what you're talking about, but at the same time, I don't think it should have ended up being him. I mean, I'm fine with taking. Like, in. if he was the final, I'm fine with if, it. If he was the final like confrontation, that felt earned, understandable, and like a culmination of his character arc. But I think, I think, I think, the, Chisa I think the part was a much more earned like final villain kind of thing and the idea that Tengen in order to try and push Mitrai would make his forbidden action to be not using his talent when his goal yeah. was to make him use his talent is so fucking well, stupid. Well, hold on, hold on. We gotta remember though Tengen didn't intend for Mitrai to be there. Then why did he make yes. that his forbidden action? It doesn't make I don't know, maybe it's because I, Tengen I also is think like, it's well kind fuck, of... now what am I gonna do? Yeah. It's also kind of stupid that they reveal that he's in, like he's the the mastermind, like after, after he he's been dead for half of the series. That's that's the thing that kind of that bugs me about it. Tengen guy dies so early on because Murakata ends up killing him. The mastermind and... reveal should be earned. This didn't feel like it was mm -hmm. earned or even yeah. like logical. That's why I feel like the mystery and setup to future arc is great and strong, and the twist of the fact that it's a suicide instead of a killer is earned, and because there's clues. There's no clues, setup, or a real clear explanation for Tengen's turn and betrayal. Yeah, that's, and that's, that's bullshit. the thing I can that's agree with being That is where the show and kind of And even falls. if it was Chisa, Chisa was dead from the very beginning, so I don't know yeah, how that well that would play out. and explained and theorized, and you could still have that because it's shown that she is a despair, that she has well, killed people. Well, hold, hold up, how... hold up, hold up, hold up. We're not on Chisa. All right, we're not on Chisa. We're gonna, I'm sorry. we're gonna, we're gonna say, we're gonna save more stuff for Chisa when we get to her in just a second. Let's just at least finish up with Tengen and Mitsuki. I'm, done, first, I'm okay? done with my plot hole ranting. I think both of their actors were phenomenal. Justin oh, Brider, especially. Done. Okay, 
general consensus, we enjoyed both these performances, yes? Yes. Though at one point I was waiting for... <laughs> I was waiting for Tangan to tell me to ride that he didn't actually have a super high school level thing and he was born forkless. <laughs> God damn it! Go to the corner! Not gonna happen, kid! <laughs> Not again! All right. I, at this point, I've already established a super high school. I've already established base camp in the corner. <laughs> she has her little tent, a little blanket. She, she has the hot, the blanket. I have hot a sign that says Mina is worse girl. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on, because we're never gonna get this done. Um, the next set of characters, we're gonna be talking about three characters, one of which we were already talking about before. Um, so. The three characters we have, all three of these are future Foundation members. All three of these characters are friends and alumni from Post Peak Academy. And all three of these characters are rather prominent also in the Despair arc because they are undercover and infiltrating Post Peak Academy. They are the biggest of the new cast, without question. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. So, we have... One we already talked about before in Despair Arc, we have Chisa Yugizome. Uh, the two new characters that we saved for Future Arc because they have a bigger role in Future Arc compared to Despair. Um, we have Kiyosuke Munakata and Juzo Sakakura. Uh, Munakata is the vice chairman of Future Foundation, so he's under Tengen. Uh, and Sakakura, he is a uh, a chair for um, one of. Oh god. He's a branch chairman. There. Well, I was thinking of the word. I'm like, I blanked And he's a high school um, boxer. branch manager. Yes. Uh, we have Munakata's the former super high school level student council president. Um, uh, Sakakura, the former super high school level boxer. And a recap for Chisa. She is the former super high school level housekeeper. Um... The three people we have for these performances, uh, again, as a reminder, if you did not watch Despair Arc, Chisa Yukizome is voiced by Miss Colleen Clunkenbeard, who has been in shows such as My Hero Academia, Fullmetal Alchemist, and Romeo X Juliet. Um, we have Sakakura. I'm going to go backwards a little bit. Sakakura is voiced by Mr. Ian Sinclair, which both Megan and I got right. Yep, thanks, uh, Junichi Suwabe. Thank you. Uh, he, Ian has also been in series such as Space Dandy, Bakuno, and Noragami. And as for Kiyosuke Munakata, we have Mr. Rico Fajardo, whom has, who has been in series such as Grimgar, Assassination Classroom, and Nanbaka. Do I get to do the noise? Because I haven't done I'm it I'm taking while. the headphones oh, oh, God. Oh, God. Um, Zenith, you might want to back up. Oh, God. I, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> I know. Are you I... sure? Is that everybody ready oh, for it? Yep. No! No, but go ahead. <gasps> Are you... <laughs> God damn it! Are you... Okay, thought... do you guys really want one? Yes. No, I thought, I thought you were going to go have Hold a on fucking... Second. I thought you were going to go have guys, a fucking new ear. It's a deck! <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Here we go! I'm going to do it without laughing. Daryun, Daryun, Daryun. I'm glad you at least told your family to get back in bedroom. Daryun, Daryun, Daryun. Oh, sweet baby Jesus. All right. Sweet. You didn't let me do the. Oh, by the way, you didn't let me do the other one with Chris Rager there. So Hardy's gonna be disappointed if we don't do it now. No, we don't got time. No, no, because Ian's here too. Favreau. 
Anyway, okay, where do we start? Weird. Who do we start? All right. Um, so can I, can I start? We're, we're, I feel like we're gonna have to talk about these people individually because these three characters, there is There's so much. There's a lot to talk there. about. Pick a character. Mm. We'll go round robin. Can Let, we do Juzo last? We'll do Juzo we'll, last. Let's let's actually start with Chisa. Okay. We're gonna talk about Chisa first because originally, again, Despair Arc, we had our impressions of the performance. Now we have a full picture. Let's decide so the order. Let's decide the order we do this. Let's pick he heads and tails. Heads and tails. That's two. Um. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say names. Zenith, how do you feel about Chisa's performance? Um, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, I mean, you know how I felt in Despair Arc before. Don't um, tell me it's still the same. I still don't like it. And I went yeah. into this having forgotten uh, how she sounded in Despair Arc. Because I, I was just like, you know, I haven't seen Despair in a while. Let's see how it sounds. And that first, like, I just don't like it. I, I, I don't like it at all, and I know Colleen is c capable of really, really good voice acting, and I've I've heard her do so much better. I just, I do not like this performance, and it's the voice that she puts on. It's, it's just, it doesn't fit the character to me, especially if she is a despair. Even if she's good at disguising it, it just does not work for me. And I think the only thing that really saves it is that Chisa is kind of out of the picture after that first bit. So, to put things into context, because this is the perfect time to do so. So, the, again, we already talked about Mitsurai in the brainwashing video and all that stuff, and how Junko uses Mitsurai's technology to brainwash his classmates. Chisa also gets brainwashed at the end of Despair Arc to become a remnant of Despair herself. Just to throw that context like, in there. She gets, okay. Oh my god, she doesn't get brainwashed. She gets lobotomized. She, like, gets modemized, yeah, she kinda does, actually. And it's, like, vaguely, like, seen as sexual, too. Yeah. Like, it's fucking creepy. And, <laughs> and even more context. She's the person who gave the brainwashing videos that Jungo had made. She gave them to Tengen. She is so the she's actual how Tengen got those videos. I don't care what you say. Also, how how yeah, how was she sense. brainwashed a second time if she was already despair? That's bullshit. No, because the are you referring to when she dies? Yeah. It's that that vid that video specifically brainwashes people into killing themselves. Okay. That's what that specific video okay. is. Or maybe she, she just did it okay. herself. Maybe she didn't even if she need did a video. It herself, that that that's fine. That just wasn't explained well enough to me. Anyway, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The, the, let's, let's continue on. Who's next? Yeah, because, like, the the Bloody Monokuma Sunday video, um, because that's the one that's used at the end of the spare for all those students to kill themselves after they ransack Hope's Peak Academy. That's the same video that's used to show these the Future Foundation members during those time periods. I, appre um, I appreciate that the video that leads to insanity and suicide is the Monokuma theater videos from the first game, which almost seems, I can appreciate which that almost too. seems to imply that you, the audience member, are being brainwashed into despair, which I Kinda, thought was yeah. a neat touch. Anyways, who's next? Anyway, Megan, how do you feel about Colleen's performance as Chisa? I like, I, if I, God, it's been a really long time. I don't remember how I felt about it in the Sparrow, but I'm assuming I, I actually enjoyed it. Um, so I liked it here. It's just that the only real times that we see her are in the first episode where I 
actually think it's really cool that she's so calm and gentle and mm-hmm. nice. Because at that point, you know she's actually fucking crazy. Oh. Um, but you don't know that because... You know that on the yeah, rewatch. Yeah, were privileges. But privileges, but when you go back, oh, okay. But then again, I don't know if that's actually just lazy writing and plot hole fixing. Um, but I think she does a, an alright job. I think out of the trio, she's by far the weakest member. Mm-hmm. I can agree voicing with Voicing-wise. And I can see why Zenith wouldn't like her because it's essentially... I, I, I think it's kind of falls into Hardy's argument of the Colleenism voice or my argument of the Vic voice where, oh, hey, Colleen's this archetypal character again. Yay. And you're just like, you, you could have tried somebody else or something. And it's not a bad performance. It's just not the one that you wanted. It's also, it just, yeah. for me, it doesn't feel natural. Uh, like, I think a good voice actor can make a performance or voice feel natural, and to again, me, it does not a, sound a, it. Again, again, one at a time, first of all. I, I, People are taking turns. We're not going to jump in constantly. It, Megan, are you are you done? or okay. I'm done. Uh, Andrew, how do you feel about Colleen Miss Chisa? Um, I, I actually thought, like, for Colleen Clinkenbeard, she was a little more versatile and full of, like, energy in a lot of these more chaotic classroom scenes. And then, like, when it actually came to push comes to shove, the dramatic scenes were hardcore, and the scenes where she gets fucking lobotomized and has to turn into, like, this false, sweet, misleading sense of uh, trying to be unsuspicious and then she's to despair as soon as like i first saw her eyes go swirly when she's alone with chiaki i remember fucking screaming into the night like fuck because yeah, i knew how I this was going to end and then the next episode i felt the equivalent of betrayal and anger i've never felt so hurt angry and in pure despair as despair arc episode 10 made me feel because when i first watched that it was 145 in the morning i was screaming and pleading at my screen and then i just stared at my mirror for 10 to 15 minutes in pure silence (laughs) these are accurate by the way anyways oh my god i'll say this uh i actually think colleen was a little more versatile and interesting i could see why you'd think it's safe or didn't fit but there was a lot to work with and i kind of feel like in, in hindsight the sweetness at first is sort of unnerving and creeping on a second watch, so I think it has that benefit to it. I actually think of the three, she's not the weakest, but I don't think she's the strongest. I think she's middle ground, to be honest. Okay, um, and how I feel about Chisa, um, cause kinda going back to Despair Arc, I predicted Colleen as Chisa. And I got this right. And I'm again going to be disagreeing with Zenith because I think we kind of had the same arguments in despair where you didn't think it was natural. And on my end, because I think one of the biggest things and what I was originally going to try and ask you, Zenith, because I mentioned this to you earlier, um, was because I know the first episode of despair, you felt like it wasn't natural, that it wasn't like... There was the, the performance there where she was like, oh... I died. That just didn't sit well with you, and I had a completely different opinion on it. I wanted to. I was really interested to see if your opinion changed since then. Clearly, it hasn't. Going back and seeing the show and knowing what has happened throughout, obviously that kind of gives you the viewer a bit of advantage. But with the knowledge going into future that Chisa is a despair 
and that she's essentially gone crazy. Um, with that knowledge, I feel like from the amount of times that she is in the future arc, because she's in the beginning, she's in bits towards the end, I think it worked. Despair leading up to it, she was this bubbly character who was very energetic and everything. But we also gotta remember that she was also undercover at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to figure out these secrets at Hope's Peak, so she was putting on this performance at the same time that may not have felt natural, who knows. Um, but I, like Andrew said, I feel like Colleen had quite a bit to work with. Um, and I also feel that with this trio, not the strongest performance, but also probably not the weakest. I feel like, I also feel like Colleen was the, as Chisa was the middle ground between her, Rico, and, um, Ian. Uh, so moving on, let us let us, let's talk about Rico. Um, segue, I guess. Zenith, how do you feel about Rico's performance of Munakata? Um, I really enjoy it. I mean, it's it's a different voice. It's not exactly kind of what I expected from the character, but I think it it works really really well. Um, I think it sounds natural, and I really like its juxtaposition against um, Naegi's where. Makoto is very much um, a a soft he's very soft spoken and and very uh, shy versus Mutakata who is very take charge and uh, hearing those voices back to back and and conversing with each other I think it really really works I I like it okay Megan how do you feel about Rigo's performance oh good god Uh, for one Whenever I say, can you please stop making Rico play emo kids? It's the first character I think of next to Leon uh, from from Garo. <laughs> like, please let Rico have fun. Uh, no, but speaking of which, uh, yeah, Rico is like again fan fucking tastic in this role, playing a guy who has been betrayed by everyone and has connective issues. Um. Because face it, like, he's he's been lied to by his boss. He's been lied to by his girlfriend. He's been lied to by his best friend. I mean, he's locked underwater. He's getting stabbed. He can't open a fucking door. Um, Be, but I, by the way, his forbidden action is opening doors, just so you know. Which is by far the worst forbidden action. I love like, how they tried to make that. a terrible one. Next to Nayagi not being able to mm. run. In the hallway. <laughs> hallway. Running is not welcome in a school environment. Ishimaru would be proud from the heaven above. Continue. But I think that, like, he's got so many, like, heavy scenes. Um, and just moments where, like, he's constantly getting, like, something new thrown on him. And, like, every twist is, like, jarring the salted knife into his bloody wound. So I think Rigo does a really good job portraying that. And I'm really happy that he got to do something that was dramatic and heavy again. Um, But, and I think he shines as an actor in those moments. Though, at this point, I'm like, can you please stop casting him as these characters? Just to see him get a little variety. But I think he was fantastic and he was pretty much up there as one of the best performances. Okay. Andrew, how do you feel about Munakata? Surprisingly enough, I'm going to be the voice of dissent for this one because this 
You're dead okay, to me. Okay, let me explain. Let me let, explain. Let Andrew explain, please. Megan, it is not your turn. Okay, let me and explain. I think Rico is great, and I actually do think he does a good job. It's just, for the longest of time, this was another thing, a situation I had with Brandon McInnes, where the voice just did not seem to click with the face to me in comparison. My one person I really wanted to see play Munakata was Robert McCollum, and that was the only thing I could ever really think of, and it just... It was such a very different voice, and it felt less like he was a stern figure, and more like he was Yu Narukami and Togami's love child, and that was something that was very jarring to me, because it didn't seem like he was supposed to be a stuck-up rich asshole, it felt like he was supposed to be stern and authoritative, and that was something that was a little jarring. However, unlike with Brandon McInnes, I feel... He has the room to grow into this performance, and when he gets those heavy dramatic beats, and he gets those emotional moments, they click, and he's fucking great at them. I think it just, his natural voice is a little hard for me to get into of the, th of the three characters, and it's not a bad one, it just never clicked to me with that particular character or appearance. But I do think when he gets those dramatic beats he gets them down fucking good and that's something that Rico's always impressed me by and that's what I gotta say on Kyosuke Munakata who has literally lost everything and I don't know the man deserves a three-way with his besties let's let's just say that yeah we'll, we'll talk see, about uh, that in a second Steph okay um Andrew you're not gonna be the only voice of dissension here in this situation. I've shared a bed with you. I know, right? <laughs> anyway, there and more. there goes the fanfiction. Um, Rico actually was not one of the standout performances to me. It was not that memorable, to be completely honest. And funny enough, I actually also had Robert McCollum as a prediction for Munakata on my list. Hey. Um, I want to say I did too, actually. <laughs> but Rico was good as an authoritative figure, and he was good with those dramatic beats and everything, but as an overall performance, it just didn't stand out to me compared to some of these other ones, like Aaron Fitzgerald, like um, I like I like KG Tang in this series. Um, we're gonna talk about Ian in a second here, but um, it was not one of the standout performances. I you and I really like Rico's performances in a lot of things. This just. I don't know what it is. I think I also had a similar issue like Andrew did with the voice matching the phys physique and the face of the character. It wasn't what I was picturing and compared to some of the other performances, it just was not that memorable. It was basically like, oh, it was almost the Colleen problem that Megan was talking about. Oh, it's Rico Fajardo in a, in the, in a show. Whoop-dee-doo. I'm not trying to be mean, but... It's because it's the emo, it's the emo character yeah. thing. I'm telling you, Bale. Like, he's because we have this talk in Token Rambu about Rico, and it's like, for the love of God, he always plays like these downer, quiet characters, and I don't remember anything besides Token Rambu where he's not non Baka. You can non Baka. I okay, non Baka. That's it. Happy fucking New Year. Maybe but yeah, bottom line, I feel like. 
it was not a standout performance or memorable one compared to some of the other performances. But let's talk about the standout performance of the Wait, series. did uh, Zenith go? She went first. Zenith goes first so, as well. You'll get your moment so, after. So let's talk... I'm going last Okay, never one. mind. So, so let's talk about Ian Sinclair's performance of Juzo Sakakura. Uh, Talk about a 180. But I was say, before we get into details, would I be safe to assume that everyone loved the performance? Yes. I thought it wasn't anything special at first until the characters started becoming more than meets the eye. I, I was looking for a yes or no answer, please. That's all I want right now. Because we're going to get into details, of course. Let's go yes with or no. maybe. Zenith, yes or no? Was this a really good performance to you? Yes. I also liked you. Okay. Though. Beautiful. Now, Zenith, in more details, how do you feel about Ian Sinclair's performance of Juzo Sakakura? Okay, in more detail, I loved it. I think this is the standout performance for me, and from the moment I heard this voice actor, I'm like, yes, this is perfect for this character, but as it went on, um, yes. Uh, especially the scene where he basically all the scenes where near the end where he confronts Murakata and like uh, like the final scenes with, with him and, and he just embodies this character. This is a fantastic performance. I can find no fault here. Since we're skipping Megan because she wants to go I'll last. Go next. And, Andrew, how do you feel? I'm going to respect Megan for this one and I'm going to mention a certain aspect of this character so she's going to have a lot to say on that. Yep. But, 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 I'll say this. The context at first, when I, when we were going to do this as a first impression, I had the biggest douche in the universe on standby. Like, to go as soon as we started talking about this character. Because it's like, I'm sorry, to, at first, it's just like, I'm sorry to do this to the hero that had stopped Juko and Oshima. Nah, it's fucked. <laughs> Oh, God! And, like, literally the first thing he does is just punch a bunch of people really, really hard. And you just think he's mean and just this sort of huge thug. And then as soon as you learn more about this character, and you learn more about his regrets, and why he feels that way towards Makoto Nagi towards the end, is that, simply put, he hates Makoto... Because he looks at the success that he failed to become. Because quite easily, Juzo Sakakura, in a way, sees himself as the man who failed to stop Junko Enoshima before she ended the world. And that's because she had dirt on him. Dirt that was so crucial. Like, it changes the context of the entire show and that's one of the things I really did appreciate about this rewatch is that I get to see things like there's a bit in in despair arc that when I f they first watched it it was like haha that's a cute little bit but then watching it a second time it's like oh shit I think you know what I'm talking about I won't go into that but it's really interesting for his character and his final scene is really powerful and emotional because you mm -hmm. see even then how much he still still treasures Kyosuke Murakata and will do what he can 
to help this man. Are you good? I think I'm good. Ian Sinclair did a fucking great okay. job. Alright, so my turn. I also really love this performance. This is probably my favorite performance of the show. Because the big thing is, Sakakura is one of these surprisingly most complex characters in this show. Surprisingly. And I can't really recall Ian Sinclair playing a lot of complex characters like Juzo here. So the performance that came out of it and everything that Sakakura went through in both Future and Despair... And on this rewatch, too, I also picked up on some of those subtle things, too. It's just phenomenal seeing those regrets and the conflicts that he goes through. And it's a really, really fascinating performance. And it's, I, I absolutely just... Oh, my God. It was great. Because, yeah, like, in the beginning, he's, like if you watch the show for the first time, he's set up to be this big asshole who just doesn't give a shit and will kick your ass for being an idiot. But yeah, like Andrew said, the more you see, the more you get to know about him, it it's one of those it's one of those it's one of those performances with for one of those characters where it, we're going to stupid. We're going to go with Transformers on this one. It, he's more than meets the eye, basically. Juzo Sakuraka more than <laughs> Oh, that wasn't exactly. even on beat. Shut up! You you get my point though. Sakakura is one of the most complex characters, probably, I would say probably, for argument's sake, in, in exactly. He's one of the most complex characters in the franchise, and he's not even from the original game. I wouldn't say which franchise. Which is amazing. I wouldn't say franchise. Definitely in Danganronpa three. I I said one of the most Available. complex. One of the most complex. Okay. But but. I yeah, yeah. Ian's performance is phenomenal. This character, oh my god, I feel for him. <laughs> as much of an asshole he was in the beginning, I feel for Juzo, and it was just, oh, I loved it. It was phenomenal. Now, Megan, Megan the floor is yours. We've, Megan, we've been holding back something very crucial about Sakakura, and I feel like you were going to talk about it when you give your yes. thoughts. So can you please I tell us how you feel? This. How do you feel about Ian's okay. performance? So, Juzo Sakuraki is by far my favorite character in all of Danganronpa. And I like it because, number one, he's more than meets the eye as a character, whether it be um, how he views himself as inferior compared to Naegi, even though he is an adult and Naegi is still arguably a teenager or a child, and how somehow this child was able to do what he never could, through violence and anger and frustration and you see that in him in his final acts but the other thing about Juzo that is central to his character and is the thing that uh, Junko does to blackmail him is that Juzo is gay and he is gay for Munakata and that one as a twist was like wait what? Because there are a lot of things uh, that are thrown around. I think the most... Um... Uh, can, can I step in for a quick second? Uh, the thing that they had been kind of teasing was that he had a thing for Chisa. But that was... That's what I was about to oh, say. Sorry. 
But I'll say yes. Don't. Yeah. No. No more interruptions. At I this apologize. Point I'm sorry. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. He in. I believe it is in episode three, um, where, um, oh my god, I'm blanking on his name from fucking two. Hajime. Yes. Um, goes up to the to the gates, and Juto starts smacking him around, and Chisa and Chisa comes and chases him off, and she says something. And it kind of implies that uh, he is coming after her as a romantic competition to her for her affections against Munakata when it's actually the other way around, which is, for one, actually, like, really, 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 really awesome because a little bit of a subversion. But for me, the fact that Ian got to play this character who does mean a lot to a lot of people who are fans of the franchise because I've at least where I live a lot of the people I know who are into Danganronpa are members of the LGBT community and that he had this crazy arc that was complex and very multifaceted while being gay and it wasn't treated as like oh my god he's gay let's make him the butt of the joke or anything like it's, it's like, shown as bad when Juzo outs him to a group of strangers. And they they make fun of him and how she uses that to manipulate him. And getting to see Ian play through that, it's one of his best performances. And a lot of people will look down and be like, oh, it's just Danganronpa because they assume it from the game and the fan base, And they're missing out on such a beautiful take on the character. And it... God, if you don't get emotional somehow at the scene where he, one, he cut off his own arm for his man, and when he pulls all the power switches to free them, and you just see how Munakata is too late to save him, like, it's good shit. Mm. <laughs> um, and that's what I've got to say. He's a fa- yeah. he's a fantastic character, but he inadvertently causes two major fuck-ups in the franchise. One inadvertently starting Izuru Kamakura to letting Junko run away. One of them you can yeah. understand, but he inadvertently let Hajime fall to the Kamakura project. Kinda, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kinda did. He, 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 he done goofed. He um, goofed. And that's the thing his... I really like about the character is that he fucked up and caused a lot oh, of no, bad shit. Oh no, he has shit, a great redemption arc, yeah. He's... He not does. A bad, he's a bad, and he's a bad person too. Honestly, yeah. But he has a really good redemption in the end. Honestly, he does. Um. So, bottom line, because we spent a, a, we spent quite a bit of time on these three characters, but really because they are the biggest players in the future arc, um, and to an extent for Chisa anyway, the the spare arc. So we loved Ian, and we were split. We're, we were completely 50-50 on the other two. On the other two, yeah, basically. For um, Rico and Colleen, we were really split on it. Um, so, it's time to move on. I'll say this, though. Uh, we are just over two hours, but the rest of these are mm-hmm. pretty much just recaps at this point. Yep, basically. So, from here on out, it's going to be recap recurring characters coming back in um, that we have seen previously, though one of which we might not have actually talked about before. Kind of, sort of. So... Wait, what? So, we're going to talk about our two mascot characters of the future arc, Monokuma and Monomi. 
Uh, Monokuma, of course, no surprise, he's the big teddy bear mascot that runs these mutual killing games and all this stuff. Um, Monami, the, the, there's two big things with her. Um, one, she is the mascot character for Diagon Rampa 2, um, and two, she is the avatar for Gekko Gahara. So that's where Monami is integrated in here uh, for future. And to recap, Greg Ayers is the voice of Monokuma, whom you've heard previously in series like Another Gangsta and Welcome to the NHK. And Monomi, we didn't talk about her uh, before until now. Um, but there is a voice actress who was cast for this character all the way back in Diagon Rampa the Animation. Back when they Because there was because there was a tiny bit, tiny tiny bit. At the end of that series, that had a little bit of dialogue from Monami. So, there was already an established voice actress for this character for the anime world, um, that being Miss Anastasia Munoz, um, whom you've seen in series like Death Parade, Yorikuma Arashi, and Overlord, since we actually recorded the Overlord episode the other day. Um, so, I'm curious to know how we feel about these performances. Uh, Andrew, how about you start with these? How do you feel about these two performances? They're okay. I like Greg Ares is fun, but after a while, it's kind of apparent that Monokuma really is a non-entity in this story, even though they teased it as he was a, like a big rivalry between him and Nike. But he's basically just kind of non-existent by like the near end of this series. The only real contribution is uh, Hagakure is outside because nobody likes him. That's his biggest contribution <laughs> to this story. Uh, oh and God, Anastasia Munoz, she well, she's kind wrong. of... I feel like it's like a whiny Jewish child is what I hear when I think of this portrayal. That's one way to describe it. I forgot it. you're yes, Jewish. Yes, I am Jewish. That's one way to describe it. Because <laughs> that's what I was thinking the whole time. And it was really distracting, and it's like, I kind of preferred, like, fake, like, I get what they were trying to go for, but I kind of liked the fake, like, magical girl voice they were going in the second game. And this, it's like, I guess they were trying to do something similar, but it just sounded like, like I said, whiny Jewish child with specs. Greg Ares is still fun, but I, I still think Brian Beacock's a little bit better as Monokuma. And that's really all I have to say on these two, because they're, they're kind... Monami exists for a few episodes, and then she's gone once you realize she's a robot. Why did they do nothing with Gekko Gahara? That's my, probably the thing I'm most pissed about. Zenith, I'm going to have you go next, uh, mostly because I'm kind of curious. I think since Diagon of the Animation, in terms of Gregor's as Monokuma, I th if I remember correctly, you slightly change your opinion about that performance, unless I'm wrong. Yeah, um, after replaying the game and rewatching uh, the animation, uh, Greg Ayers does a fan-fucking-tastic job. Um, I, I don't know what I was thinking earlier, maybe I was just so used to the game, but now I actually find um, the in-game Monokuma to be a bit annoying. Um, especially early on um greg Ayers just he hands it up and i love it and in this greg Ayers does even better so yeah greg Ayers fan fucking tastic monami i find it annoying yeah i i don't i don't like the voice at all okay i i can i can kind of see that 
I may as well go next at this point. I mean, my thoughts about Grey Gears as Monokuma is still the same. I love it. It's phenomenal. It's hilarious. Um, Anastasia Munoz as Monomi, because I don't, I don't remember who plays Monomi in the actual game. Let me go look that up, actually. There is a very stark contrast between these two performances. Monomi in the game is much more like, let's be happy and have hope in our hearts and get fre have friendship together. And then Monomi for Future with Anastasia Munoz is, um, what's the best way to put it? It's not as lighthearted. It's like, I don't want to say it's... I expect her to be, like, crawling around on the floor and be like, Oh, where are my glasses? She's trying to sound... She's trying to sound cutesy, but at the same time, that voice just does not work I feel like at I all. Really... It, it grates on my ears. I feel like I would have really liked... Where, like, it, 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 it gets on my nerves because... It's clearly supposed to be this mascot character, and I've played Danganronpa 2, and it was a major force, and they have a chance to make this character um, enjoyable or even to do something with this character, but they give this specific voice, and I think that's a huge misstep. Um, I, I feel like with Anastasia Munoz, the initial aim was to do something somewhat similar to Greg Ayers and Monokuma. It just didn't, that version just didn't translate very well. You know, like, I was, I was, know, I, I was I, fine um, with it in the end, but it was still kind of grating on uh, at times and a little bit obnoxious. Um, I was, but I was still fine with it in the end. Megan, how do you feel about these two performances? I'm just going to agree with what people said. Uh, Bonami was kind of uh, obnoxious and um, Greg Ayers rocks it as Monokuma. You know who I really would have. You know who I really would have liked to see play Monami? Allison Victorian. That would have actually been, that been fun. You know who, who the, the original voice of Monami, Rebecca Frost, Forstat, apparently played Konata's mom in Lucky Star. Really? Yeah, that is a fun fact I learned huh. today. Anyways, interesting. Uh, let's go to the rest of the 78th class. Anyways, general consensus. Monokuma, fantastic. I kind of wish that Kurokuma was in this, because Kurokuma is a much better character. Who the fuck was Kurokuma again? Oh, right, he Ultra was Despair Ultra Girls. Despair Girls. It would have been Kur funny if there was at least a cameo in the Ultra Despair Girls episode, but we didn't get that. Yeah. Um, but... General consensus, Greg Ayers as Monokuma, I think slightly aside from Andrew, we loved it. Um, with Zena changing her mind about it, I'm very excited about that. Um, but I think we at least have a same consensus in terms of Anastasia Munoz's Monomi. Um, it just seemed rather off. Um, but moving on to the next set of characters from the 78th class, we have uh, three more survivors of the mutual killing game from Jugo Enoshima. Uh, these three, Aoi Asahina, Yasuhiro Hagakure, Byakuya Togumi. Uh, and as a reminder for who voices these characters, Asahina is voiced by Felicia Angel, who has been in series such as Fuka, Tokyo Ravens, and, Yu Hi, and Yurikuma Arashi. Um, Yasuhiro Hagakure is voiced by Mr. Christopher Bevins, our wonderful director, who has been in series such as Drifters, Italia, and Nobunaga. And Byakuya Togumi, 
uh, is voiced by Josh Greeley, who has been in series such as Yuri on Ice, Princess Jellyfish, and Blood Blockade Battlefront. Can I say something about Josh? Yes. As of today, he's now a happily married man. All right, it's athletic day today. Happy ber- happy happy. <laughs> Happy birthday! Happy birthday! Happy birthday! Mr. Togemi! Stop, stop, Okay. Happy wedding day, Mr. Josh Greeley. Enjoy your 18 beautiful Togemis on your revolutionary girl Utada fucking sex wagon. Oh my god! Wait, what? Is that, that's that's a the thing that happens. Where the, he's like riding on top of the car, and it's a scene. It's so reminiscent of, of it. Girl yeah. And it's the fucking that little fantasy. Like, happy. He's imagining like the eighteen children they've had, and like let's make our next child right now. Happy Happy Wedding Day, Josh! Happy Congratulations. Day, Josh. She's on Twitter too. Happy Wedding Day, and she's on Twitter too. And her tweet about her wedding is going to use the aisle walk to Josh Grilly as part of my 10,000 steps for tomorrow. Oh my god. Hashtag solid life choice. A gif of Homer in a wedding dress humming here Amazing. comes the bride. Anyways, we, we're, we're very happy for she's, you, Josh. She's a we lot of fun. You, I've interacted with her on happy, Twitter. We wish you happy times. We all love you here. Yes. And, I, yeah, like I said, uh, I'll make this quick for my things. Uh... Josh Greeley, I still think, is the fucking best Byaki Yatogami, and he still continues to sell that shit. Uh, Crisper Vevins is kind of eh as, as Hagakure, but Hagakure is the most nothing in the show out of everybody. And Felicia Angel really super grew on me as Aoi Asahina. She did. She had a lot to do in the show. She even had a fake out moment, which was kind of dumb in mm. hindsight. But goddammit, I'm so glad she was around because Aoi Asahina is fucking amazing, adorable, and god damn, did she get hot. Fuck. Anyway, keep it in your no. pants. Goddamn. Zenith, how do you feel um, about just kind of quick thoughts since we have briefly talked about these characters before? How, what are your brief thoughts on the performances from these three um, returning cast members? I, I pretty much feel the same about them that I did before. I love Ai Asahina. Uh, <clears throat> I love Aoi Asahina. I think she's great in the role. Felicia, great job. Um, Biakia, I've always thought it was perfect casting. I've never had a problem with that casting great great job um and as for Hagakure I'm still surprised he's still alive I can't um, believe he's still alive it's okay I don't like the surfer I, I don't like the surfer dude voice I don't like him in general and I I don't like that that they feel the need to make him into a running gag um also on that same note I do not like that they keep threatening to kill off Asahina and I will stab someone for doing that i, I think the fake like, outs, really the, there's there's two fake outs too many yeah it, it, it was just it was horrible and and they they pull they pulled too many fake outs in this show in general like, we'll get like to the get one, other part and the second one I'll, I'll bring up in a little bit everybody gets one the the fake out we're kind of referring to is um during the second time when they're asleep um and the attacker quote-unquote is awake this is basically um the second episode ends fall- with like a- this is this is hold sh- shush this is this fo- this is followed by gozu being the victim in this situation um monica as a robot gekko gohara thought it would be funny to uh 
pretend that sleeping Asahina was dead. And there was ketchup and a fake knife and everything. And the end of that episode when that when Nagi wakes up and we originally see Asahina, it's like, what the fuck? No, no. Do you remember my reaction to that? I was. I think I, I remember. I, I was so upset. I was mad. No, I specifically was was talking to uh to, to Lilac, and I was just like. No, no, I'm done. I was like yeah, completely you, done. You, you were noping the <laughs> fuck out of there. <laughs> You're like, no. wait, what? And then, and then you told me to watch the next episode. I'm like, okay, it's not real. It is not real because I was ready to quit watching the series entirely. That is how badly that this was handled. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, my quick thoughts on these three recur, these three returning cast members, uh, Felicia Angel and Josh Greeley as Asahina and Togami. Still great. Still love them both. Um, uh, I didn't say shit. I'm getting to you. Uh-oh. I'm getting to you. Because I'm using the same order we used for the last set of characters, okay? Um, and then as for... <laughs> Peppins is Hogger, right? I know... I know... I don't, I don't... I already don't remember who said it. I know someone said they didn't like that he ended up being a recurring gag at this point. But because Hagakure is the most useless fucking character in the show... I'm okay with him being the comedic butt of this show. At least he has normal hair for once. Yeah, for once, yeah. But, yeah, Bevan's performance is... <laughs> oh, God, why? I'm sorry, Bevan's. I adore you, but this is just not one of your better roles. I'm gonna be frank here again. But, um, yeah, I'm okay, I'm okay with him being the comedic butt at this point. Um, cause, just like Monokuma was saying, Hagakure is outside because nobody cares and likes him. Uh, Megan, how do you feel real quick about these three performances? Uh, Mom does amazing as, as fake out Mick gives you heart attacks. Uh, Josh Grilly, as we've all gone on, uh, rarely does anything wrong. I just kind of wish Togami was actually in more of the series. And, uh, Stoner McStoner weed hair. Is doing whatever he wants, though. I still really don't like Chris's performance as him, even if it's in comedic effect. Just because I feel like the whole "Hey, bra, want to get stoned?" He's kind of dumb. He's so, three I'm dank, good. five me, and that's all I gotta say. Real and again, at the uh, four twenty was two days ago. Again, at this point in the game, Hagakure is useless. So let's just make him something. Let's make him the comedic butt. Call it a day. Um, moving on to the Our real last... stars. The real stars of the future arc, of course. The last two characters, uh, the last two, the two characters that, of course, are also survivors of um, the original mutual killing game for, for the 78th class. Uh, we are, of course, talking about Mokoto Naegi and Kyoto Kirigiri. Okay, two um, things. Who? One, Kyoko Kirigiri. Two, they're fucking canon! Oh my god! Everything Andrew ever Calm wanted yourself. in life came true. Now we can kill him. Calm yourself, boy. Calm yourself. Um, reminders as to who voices these two characters. Um, Caitlin Glass is the voice of Kyoko Kirigiri, who has been in a series such as Devil's a Part-Timer, or High School Host Club, and Soul Eater. And, of course, uh, we also have Bryce Pappenbrook reprising his role from Daigoromba Animation, from the Daigoromba video game Twice. series, from Daigoromba 2, and Despair, because he's also Komaida, um, who has also been in series such as Attack on Titan, Seven Deadly Sins, and Vampire Knight. Now, how do we feel about these two performances? 
I'm going to start with Megan. <laughs> I'm gonna let one moment. I'm just gonna give it to Andrew because I I'm not stealing his thunder. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh. I'm not oh. stealing Andrew's thunder on a certain ass on a certain aspect. Uh, Caitlin does a really good job as Kirigiri and gives actually the most hilarious moment. I of think the I know show which one. Without meaning to. <laughs> um, which is, I don't know how I'm alive, aka okay. the for that actually. Can we explain what out. happened with that? Okay. Basically, when this episode was originally released, they accidentally released a version of this where they had a replacement audio take, like a placeholder line, in the last scene of the show. Where it's Caitlyn Glass literally going, I don't know how I'm alive, I guess? And that's literally like what her thing, and that was uploaded, and that's been archived, and it's amazing! Bloopers! Anyway. I anyway. want that to be in the DVD, I don't care how, make it happen, please Bevins, please funny. Anyways, continue, Megan. Please, please bring back bloopers for for a series, cause those, those, the, apparently there's a bunch for Garo. Yeah, cause, um, cause them Fuka... Fuka line bombs. Those are priceless. You're overweight okay. and adopted. Priceless. Anyway, Megan, continue your thoughts. Um, but as you as you all know from the OG of this trilogy of despair, as I I got a case of the poop. <laughs> Why did you break that back? As it <laughs> because I had a case right before we recorded. Um. Anyway, before I had a case of the neat eyes. Uh, you'll note that I did not like Bryce's Nagi. Um, I thought it was okay. Well, everyone's like, yeah, Bryce's Nagi, yeah! Yeah, Bryce's Nagi! Um, I mean, uh, he grew I mean, on me in this. I mean, Bryce's Komida, but anyway, continue. Bryce's Komida! No, Bryce really grew on me. I thought Caitlyn did a really good job getting to reprise and grow Kirigiri as a character. As well as, uh... Let's just say it. Bryce knocked it out of the part, especially the part where he got to get tormented by all of his oh, dead yeah, friends. Oh yeah, that scene was fucking phenomenal. That was great. <laughs> Mondo turned into they, I love how they tried to make that look serious. They tried so no, hard. I don't care how hard you're trying, Larry. Okay, I bless their heart for trying. Alright. Alright, and... That's the studio Larry okay. model. Andrew, Am I next? Bless Am your I next? Heart okay. Yes, Andrew, you're gonna be next. Alright, I'll say... Uh, I, Bryce Pappenbrook I thought was good, but he really grew on me in this. And the, the actual emotional stakes he pulled off after the quote-unquote death of Kirigiri in those last couple of episodes was fucking phenomenal and, like, really mm. dramatic and pulling at the heartstrings. The scene where he's actually literally, physically, and mentally confronting Munakata is fucking great because you actually see, like, the fear he has. Like, they talk about hope and despair. They don't talk about fear. And you see the fear as he sees the broken down robot and he's smashing his legs. And that's fucking amazing. And the fact that he, they literally say, like, the fact that your empty platitudes killed the woman you love. And it's like, holy shit. And you see that even though if she was despair ever, he would never regret the time he spent with her because he loved every second of it. And that was fucking brilliant and the scene where he's like in despair pure despair was amazing and stupendous caitlin 
things I never thought I would ever see in my life. Caitlin Glass is amazing as well. She's got the coldness that's really strong, and she really has the cold, calculating detective thing down to a T, which every time this show stopped being goofy action and was actual mystery is when Kyoko's on screen, and those are the strongest moments and remind me of Don Europa the most. And I gotta say, the fact that she is so dedicated that she would lick a dead man's spit to completely confirm her suspicion is amazing. And I'm just thinking, the only thing that was going through my head is like Ryota just being like, wait a second, you ate his saliva? And she's just going, look, Nayaki's into it, okay? Nice. What? Anyway, Zenith, how do you feel about Bryce and Caitlyn's performances here? All right, so um, I think Makoto does a great job as usual. Bryce Pappenbrook, I mean, he's, he's Makoto. Once again, obviously, he does a good job. I think they do a little bit more with Makoto's character and with the voice. Um, he's given a little bit more to do in this, and I think that's good. They're, they're showing much more Makoto-centric um, ideas here, where he gets a chance to interact with people, and he has to really prove why he's um, a main character in this, because he doesn't do quite as much in the original game and here that they're really um putting him through a lot of stuff and i like that um as for kirigiri i still like the voice um i just kind of have two problems not with the voice actor but with what they're doing with her character um i think uh my first major issue is with the fake out of her of her dying and the thing is, it kind of conflicts with the death of, um, what is it, Koichi? Kizakura, yeah, where it's like... Kizakura. Yeah, Kizakura. Um, Kizakura sacrifices himself so that... She can live. Uh, she could live, because that's in his character's entire purpose, and that ends his arc. Fine, I don't like that he died, but it makes sense. But then they kill her off, like, almost immediately afterwards. We gotta remember, though, context-wise, Kirigiri's forbidden action is being still being in the game after four times Where while, it, while Makoto's alive. alive. We gotta remember, her, she's killed by her... For, killed, it, well, and that by does her make action. sense, and I like the... That makes sense. I like the idea of it. It makes sense with what Munakano was saying, and it's all dramatic, but at the same time, I kind of feel like it. if she had actually died, it cheapens the actions of Kizakura trying to keep her safe. But at the same time, then the she's fine Nike. again at the very end, and I just... I had one... I, sip, I, I, you know what? Please, let Zenith finish. I feel like these two actions just conflict with each other. I feel like they should have stuck with something. If you're going to keep her alive, keep her alive for Kizakura. If you're going to kill her off, then have the death of Kizakura happen later or something about these two things don't really work together for me. And so I just, I feel like as you're going along, it works, but then you take these individual episodes and you're like, it's one of these things needed to not be there. And for me, 
I think what would have worked better is if they left Kizakura alive and they actually killed off um, Kirigiri and Makoto had to live with that. And I think that would be much more powerful, much more emotional, have them both survive with that. My other main problem is not really character related, but it's the fact that the whole entire thing Kirigiri is trying to solve out who the attacker, who the murderer is, but A, there's barely any investigation in the entire um, series, mm -hmm. and two, she's th there's no actual murderer because everyone's, you know, killing themselves, so she does kind of figure it out, but her role in this is kind of non-existent by the end of the series. I think one thing, if they did one simple thing, I would have been okay with the fake out. You wanna know what that is? It's very simple. You know what they should have done? Eye patch. Hmm? Eye patch. If you were going to have her escape the death and still have the forbidden action take place, you could do that, but you needed to show a physical consequence. And the thing that's always shown is that their eye is fucked up, that their eye starts bleeding profusely. So, if you did that, the thing that I would have liked is just her at the end as the sexy vice principal wearing an eye patch. Boom. Well, I mean... Or having a prosthetic arm. She kind of butt full moon Well, well, well hold off. on. Both of those are already taken. We got a robot arm for Komaida, and even though he didn't wear it, Fumihiko had the eye patch, remember? She, she should have had the eye patch to show some sort of significant consequence to the forbidden action. That's all I'm saying. Anywho, my thoughts on these two performances is that I'm the last one. Um, I still think Caitlin Glass's performance as uh, Kitty Giddy is phenomenal. Um, though, a little bit of added twist to it, too. Kitty Giddy has moments where she does soften up a lot more than she did in the original show. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Especially before the fake out, where she's talking mm -hmm. to Maggie mm -hmm. and telling him, hey, just, 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 you still gotta believe in hope. I got you, I fam. Got you fam. She took the glove she even off. Took off. Exactly. She took the glove off, like, touched his hand. We didn't see it, but, like, the hands touching themselves. Like, you knew it was happening. Cannon. Oh my god, and it, like she had these moments to soften up a bit, and she wasn't just a straight, cold, calculating person, which I really appreciate that growth there. And as for Bryce as Nayegi, I know I was iffy about it going into Diagon Rapa the animation. Here it improved a lot, honestly, because kind of like what I think Andrew was saying, he's he's they're showing him more and giving him more reason to be a main character and putting him through all of this stuff so he can really progress. And that came through in Bryce's performance here compared to when he voiced Nayagi in both the game and the anime series, the original one. So I enjoyed both performances and both of them had a little bit extra that they got to work with and I really appreciate that. Um, so, so going into final thoughts, um, how do we feel about the dub for future arc? I know Andrew wrote a thesis. Five minutes. A little thesis. It's going to be the last um, thing. Five minutes. That's all I'm going to need. Oh, boy. Go. So, 
Who wants to go first? That is not Andrew. <laughs> uh, I'll get rid of. I'll. I'll. Do All right, it. Megan. All right. So uh, this anime was a lot better dub sub. And overall, I would probably say it is of the three anime versions. Not this is excluding both games and any other game periphery to it. Uh, it is the best, honestly, of the three, just in terms of characters and acting and performances. There are a lot of really good standouts. There's a lot of really nice homages to the game in uh, bringing back actors such as Christina V or giving actors who the fans felt got shafted, like Aaron Fitzgerald, Amanda C. Miller, and Katie Tang, uh, and giving them new roles that they can sink their teeth into. Some, In some cases potentially better characters that they got to sink their teeth into. Um, Ian Sinclair got to give one of the most complex performances I've seen out of him in a really long time. Um, and honestly, if you're a fan of Danganronpa, I hope you really enjoyed it. If you're a fan of English adaptations, I wouldn't say it was any of the best of last year. Um, in terms of Chris Bevan's dubs, I've heard a lot better and i'm watching arguably one of his best works right mm -hmm. now um but it's clear that the people who work on it do love the show and i think that they gave it their all um and it's it's a pretty good dub it'll be worth picking up on dvd honestly um so yeah that's that's what the meg says okay zenith what are your final thoughts on the dub of future arc even though there are some problems with it, and some problems I felt um, with the way that they were going about the story, I think, um, one, this is the best dub that they have ever had for any of the animations. Um, not talking about games, but like animations like best script, best developed characters, best voice cast. Like, there are only a couple that I really outright hated like just two that I did not want to hear and a lot of the ones that I had problems with they weren't around long enough for me to really care all that much um do I still not like their voices yes but at the end of the day it's not that big a deal um I have problems with the story yes but overall like the twists and the mystery and the stuff that it has going for it are much, much better than anything else. Like, there's more developed characters. The ca the cast from the first games that weren't very developed, they get a lot more to do. They behave like actual people. Like, in general, this is a great growth for the franchise, and I'm willing to um, continue watching and see what they do more with it. Um, I definitely think there's ways that this can improve, but thus far, this is the best anime that the, the franchise has put out. Out of, again, the anime series for Daigon Rampa, this is probably the really strongest dub out of the three. Um, in terms of games, I want to save, like, Judgment, because I, again, I didn't finish the watch of Ultra Despair Girl, so I'm going to save that for later. Um, but arguably, though... I feel like because Future Arc had a lot more freedom, it didn't have a game to adapt, it didn't have an already set cast of characters to go back to and adapt. Because this this 
arc had much more freedom and many more new characters, it had the chance to really delve more um, into this new set of characters, make them grow and see what they're about. And at the same time, they also developed the returning characters. They also developed the returning characters and make some improvements on some of them. And it's compared to the first season, this dub is really, really solid. Like, um, strong casting choices across the board, along with rather great performances. Personally, I would think the standout, the two big standouts for me would definitely be Ian and Aaron Fitzgerald um, as Juzo and Kimura. Those are probably the two big standouts for me. Um, and I, I'm still iffy on the writing at spots. Um, and, I mean, we can talk about story all day, but we're dub talk. We talk about English dubs. Um, but at least in terms of the writing, it doesn't hurt the dub extremely compared to some of the other anime adaptations. Um, for Daigon Rampa. So, I personally think that Future Arc is very solid all around. Um, and, like Megan said, I think it's going to be very worth um, your time and getting it on home video when it does come out on home video. I would hope, hopefully, I would hope either the end of this year or maybe early next year, if timing-wise is right. But, that's neither here nor there at this point. I think it's a really solid dub, and I really enjoyed it. Alright, Andrew, your five minute thesis. You've got until 24. First things first. You have until first things first. Let me just say that I actually didn't mention the dub in this thing. I talked about the show in general. I'll say the dub all around. Very strong. Writing's pretty strong. I got some gripes here and there, but all in all, it's a solid production, and Bevins and crew did a great job. <clears throat> now let's begin. Danganronpa 3 had good, admirable intentions with flawed, confusing executions. Its attempts to be a good mystery has the right pieces without the proper payoff of truly understanding or discovering it. It wanted to be a true encapsulation of answering the questions of the lore while simultaneously taking away some of the mysticism and uncertainty that made it fascinating, like Junko and Oshima turning people to despair. It wanted to create new, interesting characters, some of which were absolutely amazing and complex, yet throwing others to the wind as cannon fodder without the proper time or setup to understand. Now I know I sound like I'm ragging on this series hard, but that's because Danganronpa is something so utterly dear to me that I have the utmost respect and passion for. But this show is a flawed, somewhat confusing, imperfect product that had grand ambitions that in hindsight it could never have possibly delivered on all of what this show messes up it screws up pretty big but the show what the show does right it hits the mark the intrigue the setup and the mystery for future were all relatively strong and interesting i've seen plenty of theories and foreshadowing throughout the early weeks of the show to allow to, for some great discussion and theory online the look into the 77th class during despair arc as well as the destruction of hope's peak and many of the iconic powerful scenes like the first mutual killing game and the tragic murder and massacre of chiaki nanami were heart-wrenching and legitimately hard for, to watch in a series that's already violent and gory and added a lot to the series. As for fan service, easter eggs, callbacks, references, all 
Danganronpa succeeds at being a beautiful, satisfying send-off to everything that the Danganronpa series is and was. Comedy, tragedy, horror, mystery, it is everything that Danganronpa is, both the best and the worst of it. As a separate anime, it doesn't stand well on its own. As a gateway to newcomers, it's absolutely the last piece of media you should start. Spoilers are fucking everywhere. Even as a conclusion to the series, it's not even perfect. But honestly, as a send-off to the story of Makoto Naigi and his battle to stop despair, this was what I could have wanted, and the final episode of the Hope Arc filled me with a sense of, well, hope for the series that I had been losing in the final parts. I'm thankful that I could have been along for this ride. With this seemingly being the final entry in this saga, I still don't regret a single thing about bearing witness to the battle between hope and despair. And you know what? There's something kind of profound about this hope and despair. It's not clearly good fit versus evil. They're both integral parts of this world. One cannot exist in earnest without the other. Both are necessary. And we can't be us without it. In fact, it took me watching another lurchy massacre anime, Magical Girl Raising Project, to realize what it is that this series does right for me. It's not just cruel, vicious, nihilistic edge or empty platitudes. It's profound, complex, and even a little bit inspiring and hopeful for a series that seems hellbent on showing the darkness that resides in humanity. It shows there is hope to change, hope to come together, hope to coexist, hope to love, hope to trust, and hope to push forward into a future that is uncertain and full of despair. Done. Damn, he actually got it done in five minutes, too. Well, I timed him when he started going into it, not including his bit about his thoughts about the dub. I got four minutes, son. Good job, I'm proud of you, man. I told you I could do it in under five. <laughs> Alright, time to plug your songs and go home. Oh, bravo. I think that kind of sums up Daigon Rampa in general, in a sense. Um, yeah, like, I can agree with all of your thoughts on the series in general. Or the fran or this storyline, at least, in general. I'm kind of um, glad V3's ditching this compilated story and it's just starting fresh, supposedly. Yeah. It's supposedly starting fresh. Um, but anyway, oh my god, we are finally done with this. If you want to see the English dub for Daigon Rampa 3, the end of Hope's Peak Academy, the future arc, as of right now, the only way to actually really watch it is through uh, Funimation Now's subscription service. There has not been a home video release announced. Uh, there is no street for date for that yet. Um, so streaming it on Funimation Now is really the only way you can see it, uh, which you are going to need a Funimation Now subscription, which, oh my god, Zenith finally got one today. Yay! Hallelujah! Holy shit! Welcome to the problem party! problem is, uh, <laughs> the only problem seems to be my internet, because I was watching on there and it kept stuttering, and I, I need to figure out what's going on Was that on the internet, internet or the app? Was that the internet well, or the to app? Be, I, I'm, I'm, it's probably the internet, because the app doesn't mess up. about to say, I'm going to chalk it up to Zenith's internet, because Zenith has been cutting in and out in audio, at least okay, on the Skype call true. for us. The, her, the, her recording is probably perfectly fine. She's been cutting in and out of the call for us. Um, but 
yes, you're going to need a Funimation Now subscription, which you can sign up for a 14-day free trial if you are interested in doing so. And your regular reminder, of course, you do need to put credit card information in there when you sign up for the free trial. If you do not wish to keep the free trial when you are done, cancel the subscription because it will start pulling money from your account. Um, but, uh, uh, again, as always, we all really love the service. Zen is still new to it, so I, I probably won't be able to speak for her right now. Look, it's how we um, do our jobs, okay? <laughs> we kind of like it enough. It's how, it's how we do this stuff, you know? Um, but we really do enjoy the service. It's really great. They, they've been working out the kinks. We, we really do love the Funimation Now subscription service. Um, you can watch the, uh, the simulcast as well as the broadcast dubs. Uh, for both parts of Diagon Arc 3, so Future Arc and the Spare Arc, if you want to do that. Um, as well as Diagon Arc the Animation, uh, if you wanted to see that series before going into those two. Um, it is on the Funimation Now service. It is also uh, released on home video. It was re-released currently on the save label, which I'm... Uh, womp, womp, I'm sad womp. about it, but it's okay. Things happen. Um... If you want to catch anything from us, if you want to follow Megan on Twitter, she is at QueenEra2. Andrew is MangaMan9000. Zenith is at ZenithWillRule. And I am at LilacAnimeReview, with review being spelled R-E-V-U-E. Dub Talk themselves, if you want to follow any of the Dub Talk shenanigans. We have a Twitter right page. To do so. Let me get to it! Dear sweet Jesus, you are interrupting me again. Everyone's been interrupting me today. Andrew's gonna fucking die tonight. <laughs> You're gonna fucking die tonight too at this point. Everyone's gonna die. Um, if you want to follow any of our Dub Talk shenanigans, best way to do so, the two best ways to do so, subscribing to the channel here where we where we have all our episodes, um, our fun upcoming projects, occasional con vlogs, occasional con hauls, things like that. We do have a Twitter, as Andrew said, at Dub Talk Podcast if you want to follow us on there. And we also have an Instagram and a Tumblr account at uh, Dub Talk Podcast. So basically all the social medias at this point, they're all Dub Talk Podcast. Um, if you want to follow anything on those. Uh, and I think, oh, sweet baby Jesus, we're not going at three hours. Thank fucking God. It's, it's shorter than Despair, but longer than Dongiropa the animation. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, but at this point, we're done. I love, I, I think, I love you I, guys. I feel like I feel like we have now been released from our despair. We we can look we no, can I'm, hope I'm and look full to the hope. future. We can look I, to I, the future. I have... So I found this new PowerPoint where at the end you bang King Arthur. Maybe we should do episodes <laughs> on no, that. No. 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 Oh god. I'm done. Look, I'm look, going to bed. Look, I gotta go. I gotta go back to Persona and try to bang Makoto. That's that's my Kurt's conquest right now. Oh dear, sweet lord. All right, everyone's going back to. I want to go to bed, but tonight Tokyo Ghoul and I get to see a. Party, All right. So... All right. Tonight's that. Anyway. Everyone, get the get the Hope Mobile ready. Oh god damn it! The butt of hope is back. Butt of hope is back. Anyway, good night, everybody. Thank you for sticking around with us for this. Tr this three-parter Dagon Rampa experience. Thank you so despair much. Despair for tomorrow. Have despair for today. This has been a long time coming. We're finally free. Have a good night, everybody, and otaku on, my friends. Bye-bye.